Hello and welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook, episode 26. We're recapping all of week 13's action. I am Sweetcar, got Shashot and Shovit. What's going on, guys? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. So, guys, I don't know if I told you this, but this was the best football week I've ever had in my life because all my fantasy teams won, the Pittsburgh Steelers won, and all of my bets hit. What? Hit the trifecta. Yeah. Dude. Nice. And week. your survivor pick hit. And my survivor pick hit. Quadruple. You know what that means? That What's means that? all that juju you just used up this week. Oh, no. Premature juju. And, and me and Shovet are heading to Minnesota in like three days yeah. to watch Vikings versus Steelers. So hopefully uh, you ran out of your juju there, buddy. I hope not. Yeah, there oh, is no juju on that field. You know that. There's no juju on that field. But there's juju in this heart, and we're going to win this game. Damn. That's going to be so exciting. You I'm know. so sad I'm not going to be able to join you guys on this trip. Um, yeah, for the first time, our, our two helmets there in the front actually make sense. make sense to match up <laughs> against each other. And um, Yeah, we'll have, we should have a preview episode uh, come out before that game starts. I don't know. We'll, we'll dive into that later. But, again, this episode is all about recapping what happened this past weekend um, a lot to talk about. First things first, if you guys enjoy this content that we have put out to you for 13 weeks now, um, certainly give us a review, like our page, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, we're everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, tic- uh, Twitter, at The Only Playbook. Twitter is at Only Playbook. And then all podcasting platforms, Apple, YouTube, Google, Spotify, and Anchor FM. So uh, appreciate all the love and support thus far. Um, keep it coming and certainly appreciate that. So you know what's funny? Remember yeah. how hard it was to say all that like the first two weeks? Oh my god! You know, you know what this means? This means you can learn anything you want yep. as long as you do it multiple times. It's yeah. all about practice repetition. makes perfect. Just repetition makes perfect. So Alan yeah. Iverson was wrong. Alan is so wrong, dude. <laughs> Did you not hear Bill Belichick's post game interview? No. He was like, "Yeah, we practiced." They were like, "Were you? How do you practice for a game like this with the conditions like this?" He's like, "We practice in the cold. We practice in the hot. We practice in the wet." We practice in the dry. We practice in with with players out. We practice with backups. We practice like he said that like for a minute, and then awesome. I commented on that Instagram post. I was like, Allen Iverson is punching the air right now. <laughs> <laughs> Allen Iverson would never <laughs> practice, dude. That's crazy. Talk about polar opposites there. But right. we, yeah, I mean that's so factual. I I remember forgetting all of the podcasting applications that we were on at the beginning of the year and just like stumbling through them. But now yeah. it's just like. Right off the, off it's, it's like Drake when he's busting out a freestyle. It's like all off the cuff, <laughs> off the cuff. all <laughs> off the cuff. Um, but again, appreciate all the support. Let's jump into it. We have so many things to unravel. Shashot, I don't think I've seen this long of injuries so far this year. I so will, give us the rundown. Yeah, we're at that point where uh, things need to happen, right? Like playoffs start in like two weeks. And um, all of us are, we have playoff implications here. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's a lo- there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, number one though, we've been giving fans so much cred and like loving them and everything. But you know what? Screw you guys. All right. Whoever's listening out there. I watched a couple of people that I specific, last podcast, last, po- last podcast, I enforced Daryl Henderson's injury was not a quad contusion. I literally said that. I was like, ESPN has been saying it's a contusion, but he hasn't been practicing. That looks like a quad strain. He's not going to play. And I, one of my two close friends that have been saying to listen to the podcast, they both started Daryl Henderson. Congratulations. Wow. Ayush, you're fake news. Who's the other <laughs> right? guy? Other guy was the guy I'm, I was playing against, and I picked up Sony Michelle, played it against him. Wow. And I won by 21 points. Sony Michelle gave me 20 points. Wow. Not, not only did Shisho give you the recipe to beat him, but he went and then used the recipe he gave you because of your ineptitude and inability to listen to our podcast, take our advice. Yeah. 
and he just beat yeah. you. I mean, right. if that's not like literally rubbing, uh, it's just it's just upsetting. You know, you work so hard to give the people what they want, and then the people give don't the even people want what it. they want. All right. Well, anyways, that's enough toot my own horn for a couple of seconds there. <laughs> but yeah, Daryl Henderson. Um, you know, he's still hobbled, uh, and it's not a quad contusion. So he's Sony Michelle could very well be used this week. The problem is he's Monday night, so you have to wait to the very last minute to make a decision. Um, if you have a better option, I would play the better option because it's too risky of a call. But if you're desperate and you need 20 points and you have people like Alex Collins, who's not going to give you 20 points, then you might want to just risk it because it's already the last game of the yeah, season. exactly. What do you have to lose, right? Um, next up, Joe Burrow. He plans to play through his pinky injury. Uh, we talked, we were watching this when it happened. Mm-hmm. Th- that pinky injury is just for stability. So like when you're holding a football, all it does is just hold the football in place, right? It's just balance. Yep. It's just about balance. So... Uh, it's not totally necessary, and when you're wearing a glove, it gives it reinforcement, and it ho- helps it balance. The only problem is when you're wearing the glove, now your hold hand is a different hand. So I don't know if that helps him or hurts him more because I've never seen Joe Burrow use a go- glove before, so keep that in mind. Um, T. Higgins is clearly not giving a shit about what's <laughs> happening to his hands. He's getting his 20-plus point, uh, points. So anyways, uh, he should be fine with that. Big Ben, full practice. He's got that pec shoulder issue, and he's old, so... Uh, he needs a little bit more time, and uh, looks like he's going to be playing on Thursday. Jalen Hurts uh, looks like um, Nick Sirianni has mentioned uh, as of yesterday that it, it's still Jalen Hurts' job. Uh, he's going to retain the job. Congrats, Minshew! You beat the Jets. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you see? Did you see the video of him and his dad? Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty sick. It's wholesome yeah. as shit. Yeah, he's I couldn't tell up. if he was faking it, but it just seems like they actually Emotions, have that type man. of relationship. Emo- remember, yeah. that, remember that Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer? Yeah, thing? yeah. It was pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's like it's like when you know you suck. Yeah, and like you know, there's like we're probably going to lose. Yeah, but then give it a shot and we win. Yeah, that's what that emotion is like. <laughs> um, Chase Claypool was a full practice with his toe. Um, so he should be good to go. But Tovid Rogers, um, he actually said on the podcast, um, whose podcast is it again? Pat, Pat, McAfee. Pat McAfee. He said his toe McAfee. is healing well. Pat <laughs> 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 McAfee. Uh, uh, he said his toe is healing well, and he, but he does wish there was another week, so it's not. So 100%. clearly, it's either it's bothering him, him, or he's making it a bigger storyline than he needs to, so that he can God. be like, I persevered despite yeah, my COVID. That's. that's I, I I can see right through. Yeah, now. oh I know. I can see it right seems through so. This guy. I was so I, I love Rogers, you know, for many reasons. Because mainly because I I respect him. Because we have to play him more than anybody else has to play him, and I've seen what he can do. And I I respected him his whole time, but now he's turning into a Kim Kardashian of yeah, the NFL. just kind of diva. Like, dude, just fucking suck it up. Like, come on. But anyways, mm-hmm. whatever. Next up, return of Julio Jones. Uh, he's off the IR. Uh, there is nobody to feed there, but I anticipate him being useful for about two quarters. <laughs> Until he gets injured again. Until he gets injured or they're up by a certain amount, they don't use him, or he's going to be on a snap count. This is not somebody you want to play at week 14 if you have playoff implications. Uh, you want to go with the more of a hot hand, like, um, you know, Russell Gage. Like, yeah. he's all they have. Yeah. He's all they have. <laughs> In the last two weeks, he's proven enough that um, he could probably get you more points than Julio Jones. I, I'm like 85 Or at least play enough snaps to warrant getting you points. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, and then um, we're halfway done with this list. I'm trying to run through as much as possible. Uh, Matt Nagy reiterated today that uh, it's a pain tolerance issue for Justin Fields. Uh, he's not going to get – it's not like something could go wrong. It's, yeah. a, it's a rib problem, so it's all about pain tolerance. Uh, so we'll see. If he can tolerate the pain uh, later into the, se- uh, the week, he'll play. If not, he will not play. I'm sure they want to force him to play because Andy Dalton is looking bad. Elijah Mitchell, he showed up on the list yesterday morning with a concussion. 
Uh, Trenton Cannon, Jeff Wilson Jr. also have injury designations. The 49ers worked out three different backs this morning, Jeremy Cox, Brian Hill, and Dexter Williams. They only have one healthy back on the roster, and that's Jermichael Hasty, who is only a third down back. So, that again, this is like, I, I feel like we just need to fire the 49ers training staff at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not normal. Like, you can't get all the all their running backs have hurt, been hurt at some point, like, drastically. Yeah. Them and the Giants training staff should right. both be fired yeah. immediately. Yeah. Maybe it's extreme of the coasts. <laughs> Maybe something about, like, the weather. Could I don't be. know. But, anyways, yeah, they just they need to figure something out because now we're like, this is like too much stress this late into the season for us to worry about. I have no idea who's going to start. We're going to have to wait till later in the week. To hopefully, find Elijah out. Mitchell. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, Thielen, Adam Thielen, and Dara Saw, our left tackle, Vikings left tackle, did not practice. Uh, Dalvin Cook showed up, but he was like walking around with a helmet most of the time during practice. He wasn't really doing much. He was limited. He did his own workout here and there. Uh, good thing is Thielen will not need surgery. It was a high ankle sprain. Um, high ankle sprains are the worst, uh, mainly because it, it can, uh, so regular ankle sprains, right? You just roll the ankle done, mm-hmm. right? Done. Nothing stretches higher up high ankle sprain. You stretch it up to the point. There's two bones on your, uh, tibia and your tibia and your fibula, right? Mm-hmm. So those two bones have this area in between the space between them called syndesmosis. And it's like, it's soft tissue that holds the two bones together and it helps like articulate, right? High ankle sprains. You can tear some of that rip some of that you can damage a lot of that and that's why it's so hard to recover from because it's not just one joint issue it's like a whole does leg it swell issue. up as well it does yeah. it does and it's like it's it's it you're hurting from the core out right it's like it's basically like a bone issue at that point because it's something that connects the two bones together so anyways it's a tough injury he's not going to be playing this thursday he just won't there's just no way um, Damian Harris pulled his hamstring while we were watching that game. Yeah, on, I saw that on that yeah. run to the right. Yeah, he left and he came back and he ran, broke another one free, but his hamstring was hurting him, so he couldn't make it. He couldn't go <laughs> it was all like the way. The, what's that? What's that old video game where you pull a hamstring and you like start leap? Yeah, 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 Is that NFL Fever? Yeah. Or is that Blitz? No, that's the one with Mike Allstott. Oh, NFL Extreme. NFL Extreme. Uh, where you pull a hammy and you start and limping. Still running. <laughs> yeah. And score. yeah. Um, and then Debo Samuel, uh, the coach uh, today. Uh, Mike Shanahan or uh, Kyle Shanahan, he said, "I'm hoping to have him back this week, but still too early to tell." So <laughs> I would prepare to play without him at this point and just be happy you uh, he plays if if he does play, but um, don't anticipate putting him in the roster and not having anybody ready. Uh, Darren Waller is optimistic about potential return this week versus the Chiefs, which is weird because we were expecting that to linger a little bit longer. Yeah, it looked way worse. Yeah, it was the IT band injury. So hopefully, I guess he's recovered pretty well from that. Corey Davis on the IR. I don't know why I keep talking about Corey Davis on every injury <laughs> report. <laughs> no one's going to start him. doesn't matter. Uh, just whatever. Uh, he's on the IR. Logan Thomas, no ACL tear, but it's still not a good injury. That was a scary uh, looking injury. Yeah, too. he was like crying on the sidelines. Yeah. I was like, he's done for the season. And what's funny is when you tear ACL... 95% per, of the time, you can tell someone tore his ACL just by touching their knees. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get an MRI. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is the, the staff, the same, or the, the staff that concluded that he may have torn his ACL and then the MRI said they did not tear his ACL. So that's really funny. Like, yeah. That's such a, like, you, there's a 95% confidence when you do the, it's called a Lachman's test. Yeah. You like sit the patient down and then you pull on their tibia. And if there's laxity in the joint, forwards you tore your acl if they're laxity backwards you tore your pcl like they should have been able to do that yeah I, that's interesting because i was looking at some of the articles on espn and it was saying that he tore his acl and uh pcl that's fucking crazy sounds like sounds like we need some better hierarchy in terms of people getting these types of jobs that they may not be qualified for yeah, yeah. i.e you 
Yeah, that'd be great. This is a live resume here. All of the teams <laughs> that are listening, like clearly he knows more than you. So just yeah, come on, give me the job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, um, yeah, Logan Thomas will not be playing, so it's fa- it's like safe to drop him at this point in the season. Yeah, uh, Tyrod Taylor tore ligaments on his left <laughs> wrist. Um, again, that was just like a dress- desperation start, you know, for bye weeks and stuff. And now there's no more bye weeks after next week, so Tyrod is dead to the fantasy world moving forward. Maybe football as a whole. I mean, after this year, like. Texans yeah. are probably going to rebuild, try to draft somebody else. He's just yeah. going to probably jump from team to team. Right. right. He, I guess he'd be a good backup. He's a journeyman backup, right? You could see him being like 35 yeah. and being a backup in the league. Yeah, but starting, no. No. Nah. Nah. Maybe he can uh, back up Kirk Cousins in the in Saints. Yeah. Maybe he can <laughs> yeah. back up Kirk Cousins in the Saints next year. But, but um, Tyrod, okay, anyways, we're done with Tyrod. Uh, last but not least, Richard Sherman will be activated from the IR soon. And the only reason I'm mentioning this uh, a defensive thing is because they're moving him to safety. Oh, wow. So wow. Richard Sherman will be, uh, according to Bruce Arians, uh, when he's activated from the IR, which is, should be soon, uh, he's going to start learning the safety position. So that's pretty interesting to me how that's going to play out because he's okay. clearly not good enough to move that quickly. He doesn't a, have, yeah, he doesn't have the speed as a corner. No. So it's a natural move, but for some guy who's been in the league so long and he's played for so long, that'll be interesting. Yeah. But that's all we got for injuries today. Yeah. Slew of injuries. Again, it's Tuesday. Um, there's a game on Thursday. Obviously, I think it's not starting this week, but maybe next week or the following week. We'll start having games on Saturdays and shit, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, injuries will become a big factor. Keep up to date with our injuries at Only Playbook on Twitter. We'll update you as the week progresses. But let's jump into recapping the games. First game on the board, we're traveling to Nolens, where the Saints were hosting the Cowboys on Thursday night. Uh, Cowboys came in here six-point favorites on the road over under was sitting at 46 and the Cowboys actually win an ugly game 27-17 final Cowboys are now eight and four sitting atop the NFC East Saints now dropped to five and seven and uh once hopeful playoff team is now what ninth or tenth in the NFC uh so it's very very tough to see the Saints bouncing back from this uh Taysom Hill four interceptions just really really tough game from him he was mm-hmm. hurt right he also got hurt um, so it, it, obviously we, I've already, I've ragged on Taysom Hill all, all season with how much money they pay him, how little they use him. He finally gets to actually start a football game and, and you see the inabilities he has. I mean, he's not a true quarterback. He's not a drop back quarterback. And I mean, four interceptions, completion percentage below 50%. It's not going to get the job done. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys looked overly impressive to be honest with you. It was just really opportunistic with the saints offense, really, really not playing well. What did you guys see here? Yeah, in terms of Taysom Hill, that guy just doesn't look like a quarterback as far as arms go, but then he does run the ball often. Um, There's a lot of, like, bootleg actions. Like, it's almost like they're running a wild card. Like, no running back, and he just gets the ball, and QB sneaks it to get a couple yards here and there. Um, But when he makes his throws, you can see that his throws are a little bit – they're just – they don't have that zip on it, and it's all, most of the time it's like underthrown. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's a great quarterback for to to guess the win games. But fantasy wise, he got like twenty two points. He runs um, the ball. He runs the ball often, finds ways to get to the end, end zone. So um, I was impressed in terms of that. So I wouldn't mind picking him up and starting him um, for the remaining of the season. Um, and then on the on Dallas side, Ezekiel, man, where is that guy? Just, just Tony Pollard coming in and uh, gets 71 yards set on seven carries and one touchdown. Um, just not liking how what the, how they use Ezekiel. Jerry Jones came out who and said that moving forward, Zeke is going to be getting a lot of carries. But it's Jerry Jones. You don't coach the team. Yeah, he doesn't know he, shit. He doesn't know shit. I don't know why he's coming out and saying that. Um, but it's just yeah, just a terrible, um, I guess, outing for Zeke this year. Yeah, Zeke is does not look like a starting running back at this 
at this point in the season, he does not. He's got a knee injury, uh, but he's still out there. He's still running. Yeah. Like, he, like if you're out there running while you're complaining about your injury, you're only hurting the team. You're not helping the team, right? Like, I get football is a macho sport. You want to tough it out, but at what cost? You have Tony Pollard, who's probably top five running backs, period, right now. The way he's playing is returning kicks for touchdowns. He's catching balls for touchdowns. He's turning, like... 10-yard tosses into touchdowns. Like, this guy is killing it. He's a really, really talented running back. And Dallas Cowboys would be really, really dumb to not get their balls, not get the ball in their best player's hand, who is actually Tony Pollard. It's not C.D. Lamb. It's not anybody else. Just get the ball to Tony Pollard with this crazy good offensive lineman in front of you. Mm-hmm. You you will do damage. And then you use Zeke as just like, you know, uh, just pounding, pounding ground. Like, that's literally what he's been doing, and that's why they're succeeding still. They're not letting Zeke just take all the carries like they were doing during uh, four of their losses, if you look closer to those four losses, it was very Zeke-heavy games. So, yeah, Dallas is doing fine. I mean, this is what we expected from them, right? Like, we, we expect their defense is very suspect, but when they're playing against a team with no starting quarterback, uh, you can kind of get away with doing stuff like this. The Saints have now lost five straight games in a season for the first time in the Saint uh, Sean Payton era since 2006. So, this is not your normal, typical Saints team. Their defense is still pretty good, but... Your defense can only hang on for so long when you're forced to be on the field so often because Taysom Hill is completing less than 50% of your passes. You can't sustain a team like the Dallas Cowboys offense for that long. And this just played out the way it was. Taysom Hill, to, to, to his credit, he did good for three quarters. Didn't really throw many picks. And then fourth quarter came up. Dallas kind of figured out how to stop him. And they did that. They let him run all over the place. Uh, they did. They played the bend, don't break defense. And it worked perfectly because Anytime they uh, forced a third down for uh, Taysom Hill, he tried to make plays and throw picks and or try to make plays and it ended up being picks. So the Cowboys played this game perfectly and I, I, I don't anticipate New Orleans going any further. So they're probably just going to play around with this Taysom Hill ex- uh, experiment for the rest of the season and then look for a stable quarterback for next year. Yeah, I mean, again, when you're turning the ball over four times, throwing four interceptions, you're not going to win. On paper, you know, outside of the turnovers, the Saints won, like, the matchup, right? I mean, third down efficiency, Cowboys were 2 of 13 on third down. Saints were 5 of 14, right? Total yards, Saints had more. Pro yards are play. Saints had more passing yards. Saints had more rushing yards. Saints had more right. And time of possession, the Saints actually held the ball longer. So the 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 whole. All that to say, the Saints only ended up losing by four despite your quarterback, who's not a true quarterback, throwing four interceptions. So you have to believe that had they had somebody who is more you know, capable and, and, and turn, not turning the ball over as often and uh, actually knows how to play the quarterback position, they would have put themselves in a pretty good situation to win because the Cowboys didn't impress me this game whatsoever. Um, but nonetheless, the Cowboys come away victorious. They're now 8-4. and four. They're going to have a big, big test. they got to travel to Washington and take on the football team who are red, red hot right now. Uh, so that's going to be a big divisional matchup for them next week. The Saints get a bounce-back opportunity at the Jets next week. But again, at 5-7, and seven, they're not out of the playoffs, but... Even if they're the team that's sliding into the seventh seed, I don't think the Saints are scaring anybody, at least with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So um, we'll see kind of how the rest of the season unfolds for them. That takes us to Atlanta, where the Falcons were hosting the Bucks this week in a divisional game. Bucks came in as 11-point favorites and kicked a field goal at the very end to actually cover that 30-17 to final. They win under 50.5 hits. Bucks are now 9-3. and Falcons drop to 5-7. and um, What did you guys like about this particular Bucks game? Um, I think it just... The, the, the whole situation with the Bucks is every week it seems like they're finding different ways or different people to beat you, and, and that's been their M.O. Last week we saw a heavy, heavy dosage of Leonard Fournette. This week I think the story was 
uh, a shit ton of balls to Godwin and then mm-hmm. Gronk with very, very big, timely touchdown catches. Um, and not, you know, just like red zone one yarders. I mean, he's getting the ball in the middle of the field and running it for 20 yards. Um, so it looked really, really good. I mean, their offense flowed well. And I know the Falcons defense isn't very good. But um, what did you like from this game? Yeah, so. Tom Brady with 51 passing attempts. The guy was just slinging the ball everywhere, just trying to just pass it. And, you know, the last couple of games we saw Leonard Fournette do Leonard Fournette things. And, uh, you know, he, he, he had a pretty efficient game as far as uh, rushing and um, passing, receiving is combined, uh, but not that full-on rushing game that we've seen from Leonard Fournette. But Chris Godwin, man, that guy had 15 receptions on 17 targets. Um, so they were just airing the ball out multiple, multiple times. And... Uh, I thought that the Falcons did a good job of keeping it close uh, up until the second half because the game ended, the second first half ended with a pick six mm-hmm. um, from like the five yard line, um, mm-hmm. um, the Falcons five yard line. So that I, I thought that they were keeping it competitive, but then after the you know second half started, um, Bucks were in total control and it was just all, all Tampa Bay, all Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Yeah, it, um, I think you meant to say the Bucks five yard line, right? Because it was a pick six. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so that's the thing with the Buccaneers. They're, they're, they're a Super Bowl team, and they're playing like one. They're finding ways to win. They're keeping the defenses confused. Like I'm sure the Falcons prepared heavily to stop Leonard Fournette, and the Buccaneers were like, wow, you just wasted all that time because we're going to give Godwin 17 targets. You know, So this is what they're – and then Antonio Brown will be back here shortly in like two, three weeks. They don't even need him. It's a luxury at this point, and um, the defense is coming together a little bit. Um, and then they don't have the worst schedule ahead. It's just – all signs point towards Buccaneers cruising through the playoffs, possibly playing Tom Brady for a Bill Chicken Tom Brady Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that would be a, as storybook a matchup to end the season as one could imagine. I mean the Bucks, like you mentioned, Tom Brady just a cool thirty eight completions, three sixty eight, four touchdowns, had one interception, but who cares? Uh, you mentioned the Godwin fifteen for one forty three. I mean that's got. I think that's the most catches he's ever had in a that's game. That's the most he's ever had for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mike, Mike Evans, 7 for 99. Gronk had 458 with two touchdowns. Fournette, 7 for 48, also caught a touchdown. And then Brait caught the one other touchdown from Brady. But again, just spreads the ball, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Nine different receivers caught a pass. So yeah. uh, Brady just doing Brady things. And fantasy relevance on the other end. I mean, Matt Ryan, no touchdown passes. Patterson still had a good game, 78 yards on the ground. Um, he did also have 18 yards through the air. We saw the Mike Davis one touchdown run, but only had four carries. But I think the story in the receiving core is Russell Gage. 12 targets, 11 for 130. Those are the type of numbers that we were expecting from like a Calvin Ridley, from like a Kyle Pitts. But what sucks about Kyle Pitts is when he does make plays, you can see how naturally gifted and talented he is. He's like a freak athlete, but mm-hmm. I still don't understand why he's only getting seven targets. Only four for 48. I mean, those are underwhelming numbers for one of like what two i mean at this point we're just considering russell gage you know a a weapon for them just out of sheer volume but it's really him pitts and patterson right Mm -hmm. so i don't understand why pitts still isn't like the guy that's just consistently putting up good numbers for this team uh hopefully in the future that changes but he definitely has the raw talent and skill set the bucks you mentioned their schedule they do have a tough one next week they're going to take on the bills uh it is at home so that'll be a big test for their team the falcons will travel to take on the carolina panthers but again Falcons are another team, five and seven. Technically, they're in the divi- in the race for the playoffs, but at the end of the day, whether they sneak into the seventh seed or not, I mean, I don't think they're scaring anybody. So, 
Um, it is what it is with that team. Next game on the board, the Cardinals traveled to Chicago to take on the Bears with the return of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I believe, was also back this game. Or yeah, 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 yeah he was back this game. And the Cardinals actually win this game, thirty-three twenty-two final. They cover the seven and a half point spread over forty-four. Absolutely cashes. Um, again, it was another Andy Dalton game as Justin Fields was not able to play. But um, the story of this game was, you know. Kyler Murray just was efficient, didn't have to do a tremendous amount. They ran the ball a bunch of times, even though it wasn't incredibly efficiently running, but uh, I guess they stuck to that MO, and, I mean, it wasn't like any one receiver had too crazy of a game, but this became more about Andy Dalton throwing four interceptions and putting this Cardinals in incredibly, incredibly advantageous positions to score quick touchdowns. But um, anything else that you guys saw? What did you like, Shashout? What did you see? Yeah, um, the Cardinals are just killing it, man. The Cardinals are absolutely killing it. Uh, they're the third team in NFL history to win seven straight road games by more than 10 points within a season. That's insane. These are road games we're talking about. 7-0 and this year on the road. By more than 10 points. They're, they're, they're not even just yeah. squeaking by. They're, they're destroying, they're destroying teams, teams, on, teams the road. on the road. Uh, and, yeah, and it's just perfectly managed team with the injuries, with the roster changes. They're just playing perfect football. I can't wait to see what this team's going to do in the playoffs. This is also my Madden team. They're just flawless. <laughs> yeah, It's perfect. They have perfect positioning players they have skilled players playing linebackers that can keep up with your receivers it's just the team's perfect they're playing perfect now hopkins is still not 100 percent right now kyler murray is but hopkins showed that he he's he can play he only got like what two or three catches last yeah, week or two th- catches just on two targets right mm-hmm. i'm sure that'll increase and all the other guys can definitely uh keep up the slack until um he's fully healthy yeah, uh, yeah. one thing of note um before i'm done here uh the bucks we just talked about they make the playoffs with a win. They're winning in. And so are the Cardinals. The Cardinals also, uh, upcoming game, if they win, they're in. So, uh, And then I think for fa- for fantasy purposes, that might not look so good for Hopkins owners because if the Cardinals end up clinching the playoffs next week, uh, then they don't really have to rush Hopkins, right? They're like, yeah. he can just, they'll just be like, you know what, Hopkins, just keep doing whatever you're doing. Let us know when you're ready, um, which, is, which is good for the uh, Cardinals, but it's not so good for Hopkins owners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Cardinals are hitting all cylinders, offense and defense, and I really like their schemes and their offense. What they're doing, like they're moving, they're running back out. There's a lot, a lot of screen passers, and then Rondell Moore gets involved as well. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins that can catch like these slants. So really, not any sort of any like downfalls or yeah, just weaknesses, weaknesses yeah. for the Cardinals. And if nothing's working, then Kyler Murray can just run the ball and get yards with his feet. So if this is a it's a very tough team to to beat, and um, you know, Chicago Bears, when you throw four interceptions, lose a turnover, ba- turnover battle, you're not even putting yourself in a position to potentially win the game. So yeah. it was all Cardinals from the start there. Yeah, wh- one one bright spot, I think David Montgomery on the right. uh, Bears had his best game of the season. 21 carries, 90 yards, got in the end zone. Also caught eight passes for 51 yards. He was targeted nine times, led the team in targets, actually. So um, he is a workhorse. He was, what, top five running back last year in fantasy. So um, it's encouraging to see these, especially in these latter fantasy weeks. If you have them and you're in the playoffs or, you know, you're fighting for the playoffs, you have to like what you see from him. So uh, the Bears do have a big divisional matchup. They're at Lambeau Field next week against the Packers. And the Cardinals, I just mentioned, play the Rams. So another tough divisional game for them. Uh, so two big marquee matchups next week on the board already. Traveling to Cincinnati here where the Bengals hosted the Chargers this week in a game we all expected was going to be high-powered offenses. Uh, Bengals came in at three-point favorites, but man, San Diego, or should I say LA, actually came to play. (laughs) 
Chargers take this one 41-22 final. They covered the three-point dog spread. The over 50.5 was an absolute lock. Chargers are now 7-5, and five, and the Bengals dropped to 7-5. and five. So two teams tied at the record. Um, what did you guys like about this game? Yeah, this game was it was a good game. It, it wasn't the Bengals kind of not keeping up because at one point the score was, I think, 24 to 23. Mm-hmm. And it was a mixed extra, extra point that allowed that. It was a one-point differential. But um, the Bengals held held their way all, all up until the fourth quarter. And the thing that the, the both teams were kind of lacking coming into this game was their defense. And the Chargers defense stepped up big. I believe that they actually beat them out in the turnover um, ratio as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what... I think led the Chargers to to win this game. Um, the turnover. Yeah, turnover battle was big. I mean, Justin Herbert did throw an interception, but Burrow had two. He was sacked six times. We talked about how they were down three linemen, so mm-hmm. that definitely came into play. Ended up hurting his pinky. Um, like you mentioned, the down three linemen. I think that impacted their rushing game as well, right? Only twenty five for ninety six. Mixon's used to seeing a pretty twenty plus carry workload, um, but because they got down in the fourth quarter, they weren't able to run for much. Mixon was only averaging two point eight yards a carry. They were forced to throw the ball more, which, again, Burrow sacked six times. It did lead to T. Higgins having a pretty nice game, 9 for 138 and a touchdown. Um, But like we mentioned, I think the Chargers' offense was just too much. And whether it was the Chargers' defense stepping up or the Bengals' offense just being down too many linemen, uh, the Chargers' defense were able to take advantage. Two interceptions, six sacks, two fumbles recovered, and then uh, the offense did their thing. Herbert had his game. Eckler had his game. Uh, Keenan Allen is now hurt on the IR. Right, so no, no, it's a COVID thing. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's. I don't know why Riyadh's freaking out over COVID list. It's okay, a five day list. Okay. He'll be back. My bad. That that's fake news by me. Okay, yeah. so it's COVID list, but yeah. um, there's like, there's like 15 other players on the Chargers that are currently on that list. Okay, they haven't revealed all who it is, but they're not worried about it because when it's when there's this many positives, it's likely a false positive. Yeah, false positive. So we'll have to just wait and see. But yeah, Keenan Allen's not hurt. Okay. As far as I know. Okay. As far as I know. Okay. Yeah. Mike Williams ended up having a nice game. Five for 110. Jalen Guyton continues to um, impress in the limited targets that he gets. Four targets, four catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Jared or Keenan Allen did have the two touchdown passes or catches from uh, Justin Herbert as well. So again, it, it's the it's the teeter-totter effect of the Chargers, right? One week their offense is explosive. They put up a lot of points. And you're like, man, let's get behind this team. And then the other week their defense just gets gets gashed for 300 yards rushing and their offense can't you know formulate a single drive so i I think it i don't think it's that um unpredictable this chargers offense you can kind of you can kind of expect what you're going to get if they're playing against like a bottom tier defense Mm -hmm. herbert's going to go off yep Mm -hmm. if they're playing against a really good defense it's going to be a stalled game you know that's like that's one thing the chargers identity is pretty like you can kind of bet on what 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 you're going to see um, it's not like some other teams where like, like, like the Vikings per se, you play shitty teams and you can't beat them. Yep. That's not the case with the Chargers. The Chargers, if there's, if there's a bad team in front of them, they'll they usually probably take beat care them. of them. Um, and then one other thing we have to talk about is this emergence of T Higgins versus Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase kind of, uh, I think his like first four out of his first 15 catches were touchdowns, mm-hmm. right? That's, you can't, that's not sustainable, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, let's talk about long run. That's not sustainable. And that's kind of coming into fruition now. Uh, things are settling down a little bit. People are kind of covering the top on Chase, and he's kind of struggling. He's, the drops are back. Yeah. He dropped a 70-yard touchdown catch. Yeah, um, right. That caused the interception. That yeah. caused the interception. So, like, you know, uh, I think the, the reliability, the – the meter has shifted towards T. Higgins. T. Higgins was always the better uh, wide receiver. Just all that, uh, you know, it was fun. It was fun watching Chase and Burrow connection. But at the end of the day, 
Uh, T. Higgins is just a huge, huge wide receiver one, and they need to utilize him more. Uh, Chase is great. Use him on the slants, uh, throw play actions to deep. But at the end of the day, T. Higgins is the better receiver. Yeah, I mean, T. Higgins is no slouch, absolutely. I mean, he's 6'4", so he's definitely got the size. And you saw that touchdown catch that he had. I mean, he high-pointed that ball. Straight like he, up. Straight he, up mossed he him. He literally mossed him. So um, he's definitely got a tremendous amount of talent. I think they're just in a very fortunate spot. They have two guys that can be possible number one receivers. So hopefully they start to utilize that, and they don't feel like they need to force the ball to Jamar Chase because T. Higgins can equally produce. And then you also have a nice compliment still in Tyler Boyd, 5 for 85 on seven targets. So um, the weapons are there. Uzuma is a nice, nice tight end as well. So the weapons are certainly around him. We talked about the Bengals coming into the uh, coming into the season. Their biggest question mark was the uh, offensive line, and they were surprisingly playing well, staying healthy. And then we saw kind of what the ramifications would be when they were down, and that is kind of their weak spot. They don't have a ton of depth there. So with three guys down, uh, Burrow paid the price, got hurt, got sacked six times, and threw two interceptions. So it's not as much. It can't be much more evident than that, that the offensive line was the reason that they didn't play as well as they should have. So the Bengals, it doesn't get easier for them. They are at home next week, but they got to take on the 49ers who, I mean, God, love to run the ball down your throat. And the Chargers take on the Giants next week. So it could be a pretty good opportunity for the Chargers to beat up on another bad team. So uh, next game on the board, the worst team in the league, the Detroit Lions were hosting our Minnesota Vikings this week, still searching for their first victory. Would they finally get it? And the answer to that question is <laughs> yes, they would fucking finally get it at the expense of our Vikings. 29-27 final. The Lions win this one, covering the seven-point dog spread. Over 46.5 comes in. The Lions are now 1-10-1, and, and the Vikings drop to a lowly 5-7. What, what do you guys want to talk about with this shit show of a game? Um, let's talk about the good. Uh, let's talk about Madison, who it was the backup running back or starting running back because Dalvin Cook got hurt. 22 carries, 90 yards, one touchdown. Proves to be a viable start when Dalvin Cook isn't there. So um, that was that was great to see. And then also on the other side of the field, uh, Amon Ray St. Brown led the Lions in targets, receptions, yards, and he got a touchdown. So had one of the uh, best games he's had as a uh, as a Detroit Lions. So um, good good fantasy fantasy numbers there. Uh, but yeah, man, the Vikings. Well, I don't know what happened there at the last drive. Just just completely blew it. Completely blew it. Yeah, when you play prevent defense on Jared Goff, yeah. you're probably gonna blow it. Right. Like there was no need to play that defense. I don't understand what the what the. Uh, there. By the way, it was after a timeout. So like that was the that was their best defensive call right there. That that's what they said it after makes, calling the timeout. It just makes no sense. Yeah, the defense has let us down to way too many times. Offense literally. Kirk Cousins has like six game winning drives and has successfully put the team in the right position to win every single one of those games. Offense, you can't ask any more of this offense. I know it's a Kubiak led weird ass offense but at least they do their job enough to set us up for success and then we find ways to lose and number one reason we lose because of defense but then you can't really even blame the defense that much because we were without eric hendricks for the first time all year still no patrick peterson there was a lot of holes here it was clear-cut trap game you know it was bound to happen and it happened against the vikings which sucks but it's also not uh shocking you know like when, when things like this happen my jaws don't drop anymore <laughs> it's just the way it is um, but yeah, kudos to the Lions, uh, you know, finding the faults in the weak Vikings defense. But all three Vikings that were out, uh, all three that were pro bowlers at one point, um, they're back this Thursday. So um, th things should look better, but I, I don't have hopes. I mean, what are you going to do with this Vikings team going into the playoffs? Like, even if you make the playoffs, what are you going to do? Just allow like six touchdowns to Tom Brady, you know? So 
anyways, uh, that's all I got to say for this game. Hopefully, uh, and then Justin Jefferson, can't t- stop talking about that man. Um, he's he's taken over the league by storm. Mm-hmm. Um, this Again, this offense is running on all cylinders. Whatever the case, we're getting the ball to Justin Jefferson and putting up 27 points. We just can't allow the Lions to score 29 points. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have too many flaws. I think the def- I think it's time for Mike Zimmer to go. I mean, if you can't stop the deep, if you can't stop Jared Goff in a game-winning drive when he needs a touchdown to score, that's pretty damn pathetic. You have four seconds left. It's fourth and two from the eleven-yard line, and you're playing all of your defensive backs five yards into behind, the end zone behind the so receiver. I'm just I'm trying to understand why you're giving a five-yard cushion between the front of the end zone, which is just as much a touchdown as the mm-hmm. back of the end zone, and all like they. I don't think the Lions could even thought that they were going to get as easy of a touchdown right. as they were, right? right. All Amonra St. Brown did was run into the end zone, stop Curl. and turn around, and the yeah. guy was too fucking far to stop him. I mean, it, it, it's just it's incompetence from a defensive-minded head coach. He needs to go. Um, yeah, and, and 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 here's the thing, right? Vikings offense looks great on paper. The first half against the Detroit Lions, the Vikings put up six fucking points. So, like... You can give me all the box score stats you want. You cannot go into the half down 20 to 6 against Detroit. How is your offense only putting up two field goals in an entire half of football against the Detroit Lions? I mean, I that makes no sense. So, fourth quarter 12 points, third quarter 9 points and all of a sudden all of our guys look like they did really really well, but where the fuck was that all the first half? Why did we decide to do nothing, put ourselves in the behind the eight ball? And last thing I'll say, here's a really really interesting stat. There's a guy that I follow, his name is Phil Mackey. Uh, they do a Vikings podcast, and he tweeted this out, right? Yesterday, Kirk Cousins climbs to fifth on the NFL's all-time passer rating leaderboard. Kirk is the only quarterback among the top 15 all-time whose teams are below 500, right? Now, right. now, now listen, listen to this list. You have Patrick Mahomes is number one. He's way above 500, 46 and 12. Deshaun Watson's number two. He's 28 and 25, but he's newer in the league and he plays on the fucking Texans. Aaron Rodgers, 70 games over 500. Russell Wilson, 60 games over 500. Like the four or five guys below Kirk Cousins. Drew Brees, 60 games over 500. Dak Prescott, 20 games over 500. Tom Brady, obviously. Tony Romo, 30 games over 500. Steve Young, 50 games over 500. Kirk Cousins is the fifth highest passer rating quarterback of all time. And you know what his record is? 56, 58, and 2. Yeah, this just tells me football is not a quarterback sport. It's mm-hmm. a team sport, right? We're watching it and happen in front of our eyes. Like this, I think that's that that stat that you just mentioned only makes Kirk Cousins look better to me. Because with with shitty teams like this, he's still playing at the level these Hall of Famers are playing at. Like at that level, like what are you gonna do? Blame that guy for putting us in a position to be nine and three right now? Right? Like, so that makes no sense to me. Like, this is a team sport. We're watching the team suck. We're watching an MVP candidate get robbed because of the team. So that stat means nothing to me. That just that just shows that how well he's playing and putting the team in the right positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I almost wonder if, like, they when they watch the Patriots and Bills game and see the Patriots run the ball so much and uh, your your coach, he's probably like, that's what we're he's trying to do. He's getting a hard on. He's getting a hard on. <laughs> he's yeah. probably getting really excited about that. But um, I don't know. I, I have no idea what this stat means, but he's also been in the league an entire 10 years. So if he's just always had bad supporting cast, yeah, he he's has, just got actually, the worst. He has. He's been playing for the the Redskins, who are not called that anymore. But there's a reason they paid him so much to pl- come play for us. They see the skill. I've seen the skill the whole time. The man is skilled. He's a really good quarterback. He's yeah. just slow, and he ha- just – things happen bad around him. Like we're fans of the Vikings, right? Like we're not dumb at what we do. 
things happen bad around us. There's just there's some intangibles that you can't connect to these people. Some people are just not meant to win Super Bowls. And some things are happening like that for us. Kirk Cousins just happens to be on the same team as fans that never seem to get anything going right for us. Uh, it's just a bad series of things. And there's really no finger pointing towards the quarterback out of everything I've learned this year. I would be a fool to start pointing the finger at Kirk Cousins out of all the people that have let us down this season. Yeah, this season, definitely not. But I, I, I am definitely of the opinion that I think we should get a different quarterback. But Yeah, eventually, yes. But um, MVP level play, I will take 10 out of 10 over anything else at this point. That's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Maybe get rid of your coach first. Yeah, that one's got to yeah. go. That one's definitely got to go. Yeah. But what are you going to do? It yeah, is what it I, is. I don't know. I, I, th- I yeah. At, at this point, Kirk's not getting any older or any younger. He's thirty three. He's going to be thirty four years old. Mm-hmm. I think he is who he is. Right. I, I, he, he's a good quarterback. He's extremely accurate. But all of the inabilities that he has, I think he, he depends too much on everything around him to be perfectly executed mm-hmm. for him to succeed. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's because he doesn't call his own plays. Yeah. It, that's what it 100%. is. Hundred percent. But he, he, I, I don't, I don't know if he did in Washington or not. I don't know if he ever he had. It was Kostya and his team. I know so, he did. So, okay. so what's the reason? Is he just dumb? Like no. why, why would no team trust a guy they paid $35 million a year mm-hmm. to not call plays? And it's, here's a great example of this. We were down two points on a two point conversion from the two yard line. In no world do you run a play right up the middle for two unless the defense is literally giving you a reason to run it, right? You're going for two, and you just run a straight handoff to your— Yeah. Literally, there's no disguise there, and you're only running that play if that's the best play to run. But what does that happen? You line up that way. If it's not there, your quarterback needs to audible because what happened? The defense knew he was doing that, and they literally stuffed him, made him look stupid as fuck because that was the most drawn-up, like— predictable yeah, play i've ever seen obviously we've been talking about how bad these play calls are i'm not sure that's on kirk cousins he's a system quarterback which i will admittedly admit i'm not like biased in any way i'm what i'm saying what i'm seeing and he's a system quarterback who is led the way they run it's like playing madden it's like having him and someone's playing madden using him to play there's certain quarterbacks like drew Brees, same situation uh, a lot of quarterbacks they don't actually have as much control as we think they do because of the trust in the offensive coordinator. That's just how football is run. There's some quarterbacks that get all the audible power in their lives and all that, but this is not the situation for that. So yes, we, we should get a different quarterback, but like this is a lot. Like you got to be a fool to start pointing fingers at Kirk Cousins at this point in the season. Like there's you've we've watched enough games to know that this is like probably the seventh problem on our list of problems right now. Yep. So next week, Vikings play the Steelers. You guys will be at that game. Lions take on the Broncos. So let's hope the Lions win out so the Vikings don't look fucking stupid. Uh, next game on the board, the Giants take on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins actually win this game 20-9 to final. Dolphins have won five straight games now, 6-7, and seven, climbing back into the playoff positioning. Giants are now 4-8. and eight. Miami covers the four-point spread under 40-and-a-half. Another very, very efficient game for Tua. Nothing flashy. Gets a ton of completions for... Uh, low yards per completion, but also protects the ball. So, um, I mean, it's getting the job done. They're beating teams they're supposed to beat. All of a sudden, are the Dolphins a team to be reckoned with, or is this just barely fake news? Absolutely. I would not want to play the Dolphins right now. I apologize to to, uh, Tua (laughs) Bailoa right now because I did not – like, he's just a quiet, humble guy, and I'm on on the train now. Uh, The defense is just lights out. This blitzing system that they've obtained from the Ravens is just – they're, they're playing amazing. I know they're, some of these teams they're beating are not that great, but there's something to be said about winning this many games on a row in the NFL this late into the season. It's the same hype train as the Washington football team. Like There's teams that 
crumble under pressure and lose to the Lions. And mm-hmm. then there's teams that beat Tom Brady and the Patriots with quarterbacks like Tyler Taylor Heineke and uh, Tua and just the whole team. You can just sense when the whole team comes together. And for the Dolphins and the Washington football team, everything is just coming together. So th- I'm on board. I would like to see how far these type of teams go because it's entertaining. It's nice to see things just fall together for certain teams that are not that good. The Miami Dolphins, uh, in terms of their in terms of their defense, a fun stat is they lead the league in um, pass deflections with 75. Nice. Um, second is Patriots. 75? 75. That's a lot of pass deflections. 75 pass deflections. Uh, next is uh, the Patriots, I think, with 72. What are the Steelers, third? I'm not sure. I, I didn't check for them. but Because uh, Hayward and... TJ Watt out TJ here Watt. Yeah. shit all that's, the time. That's true as well. I'm not sure. But uh, so they have a pretty good defense, right? And uh, we saw it against the Ravens that when they blitzed that many times and stopped uh, Lamar Jackson from doing those things. But they also have a strong offense now with Devontae Parker back. Um, he had five receptions, 62 yards, five targets, like a good compliment for Waddle. And then you have Gusecki as well. So Tua's got options. He's got no reason to kind of be erratic on his throws and he's getting the he's getting solid completion percentage right over uh his qbr wasn't so good but i mean 30 for 41 for tua that's what do you mean his qbr wasn't so good he's had uh oh qbr is different than quarterback rating yeah yeah but yeah you're right qbr qbr is different from quarterback rating. yeah like the rating that you get on like 158.3 passer rating yeah yeah it's different than qbr Oh, wow. I was in the, under the impression that it was actually Q- the QBR same. is a more quantifiable stat because passer rating is just based on yeah, box score. Right. QBR takes into account like situational. And the highest QBR yes. is 100. No, I don't know what the highest QBR is. It might be 100. And but yeah. So he's a 65.9. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or not. I guess I don't know much about that. But um, no, the Dolphins are looking pretty good. You know, two is efficient and uh, they've got options. So I, I like the Dolphins resurgence, I guess, in the past uh, three, four weeks. Miles Gaskin is still not really being fantasy viable on a week-to-week basis, only 15 carries, 44 yards, um, and had two receptions for five yards. But outside of that, uh, you got to love Waddle. You got to like the reagents of Devontae Parker. Waddle's on pace to beat the rookie. uh, I think it's a yard record, or is it the receiving reception record? I would guess receptions, if I had to guess. Yeah, it's Because I don't think he's beginning to tell yards. Eight catches a game probably will do that. But, yeah, he's on pace. And this is without that extra week of football. Mm -hmm. He's on pace to break this on week 16. Um, and then one last thing just about Tua. Um, this is his uh, – he has a 100% – 100 or more passer rating in four straight games. Only Hall of Famer Dan Marino uh, has a longer single-season streak among Miami quarterbacks, so they might have found the quarterback of their future. I'm still skeptical on Tua personally. Uh, I need I need to see him do more than average six yards in attempt. Mm-hmm. You can be very efficient and put up great box score numbers, but you're just dinking and dunking. And when once they have to play a high-flying offense, it would be interesting to see if they can stretch the field. Um, but I mean, they beat the giants, they beat the Panthers and they beat the jets in their last three games. They did beat Baltimore the game before that. So that's probably their most impressive victory, but two only had 150 yards passing there. So, um, nice to get some momentum and win some games in the NFL. Cause it is hard to do. Um, but I want to see them actually beat a playoff team or a team that actually has a offensive attack that they are going to need to try to keep up with, which will be the Patriots. In, yeah, in three yeah. weeks. Yeah, they they head into a bye, so they're in, they're heading into a bye at six and seven. Uh, but yeah, even the Patriots, it's not like the Patriots are a high flying offense. They just run down your throat, yeah. right? I want to see how Tua can put the ball downfield when they have to play like the Bucks 
or a yeah. team that you know for sure you're not going to be able to stop enough times. You're going to have to continue to yeah, keep up. Yeah, they're probably not going to beat the Bucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even about beating. It's about Tua proving to me that he's not more than a check downer, right? Yeah. So throw the ball downfield against a team that, again, you're going to have to throw the ball downfield to succeed against, um, and then I'll finally be on the Tua train. But, yeah, four games in a row, he's put up really good numbers, and they have won. And they're now six and seven. Giants take on the Chargers next week in LA. Giants are four and eight, so they're struggling. Um, slew of injuries, so I don't really know if they have much hope left. But uh, the Dolphins again get the bye at six and seven. They're right in the wild card thick of things. And you mentioned they're going to have divisional tests against the Bills, against the Patriots. So them in their own division is already going to be tough games for them coming up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can squeak into that seventh seed. It's actually kind of interesting because they uh, they've already played the Bills twice. Okay. So the remaining schedule is the Jets, the Saints, the Titans, and then the last game is against the Patriots. Patriots. But those first three teams, the Jets, Saints, and Very Titans, beatable. They're definitely beatable. And the Patriots could already have a bye that right. last game, so they benched it. They benched their team, and then, yeah, they could literally win out and be 10-7. and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Very favorable schedule for the Dolphins. Uh, the next game on the board, the Jets. The New York Jets are at home against the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Eagles started Gardner Minshew with Jalen Hurts hurt. And Eagles took care of business, 33-18 to final on the road, came in at 6.5-point favorites and covered that spread easily, over 45 hit. Um, yeah, Gardner Minshew show. Again, he was a one-and-done starter. They've already announced Jalen Hurts, but nice story for him. They pick up the victory. He plays well. He hugs his dad a bunch like three or four times after the game in a, vic- in a video that went viral. Um, what did you guys see from this one? Yeah, dude, Philadelphia, was. this is one of the legs of my uh, teaser, and I just had to have the Eagles uh, win out, and, and they won in in a big fashion, 15 points, 33-18 against the, Jet, against the Jets. Um, Zach Wilson kind of looked good in the first half, and then just kind of disappeared uh, through interception in the second half, and, and they didn't score any points. Uh, so uh, I guess the Eagles' defense may have just stepped up, or you know, there's still that question of whether Zach Wilson can really command this offense um, like some of the other quarterbacks that we've seen um, Jets do. But, um, yeah, you know, Eagles, well done. Run the ball, ran the ball again, 24 carries, 120 yards by Miles Sanders, um, and Gainwell had a, a, a vulturing touchdown as well, uh, 12 for 54, one uh, I, I, was it a vulturing touchdown? Or was because Miles Sanders got hurt at one point. And oh, and then and he, he didn't and come then, back. And Gamewell came in. Uh, and all, Miles Sanders also fumbled. So yeah. if you're fumbling, getting hurt, like, bro, your time in the NFL is over. <laughs> like, you, did he did he fumble? I believe he fumbled. Okay. Does it not show he fumbled? It doesn't show it on the box score, but I don't know. Maybe he fumbled and then like re- they recovered it, but Possibly. even that usually shows. I, all, all I know is the ball left his hands dur- yeah. during active gameplay yeah. at some point. It may it may have rolled out of bounds. I don't know if that counts as a fumble, maybe, but. Mm. Um, but yeah, and and then the, and so Gardner Minshew comes in and sco- throws two touchdowns to Dallas Goddard, who uh, I was game. playing against, and I thought that was going to be it <laughs> for my fantasy week. But uh, uh, luckily, I, I I still end up winning. But six reception, 105 yards, two touchdowns, and then on the other side, Elijah Moore just keeps getting the receptions, uh, continuing to be a viable star. I know that that was one of the question marks when Zach Wilson comes in. Will Elijah Moore still be um, a good start? And I think I think he he looks to be the uh, getting most of the targets, 12 tar- targets last last game. Uh, Crowder was second with six. So um, it's good 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 start there for Elijah Moore as well. Yeah, found the end zone. 
Um, again, I, I don't I don't know how many weeks that's in a row, or it's how many weeks out of how many weeks, but I feel like Elijah Moore's getting into the end zone pretty often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do look like they go to him. It's nice that Zach Wilson stepped in and still threw him the ball, but the Jets' offense did look like it took a step back with Zach Wilson at the helm. I know the Eagles' defense is a little bit better than the last couple of teams they've played, but Jets are now 3-9. and nine. They play the Saints next week. Eagles 6-7. and seven. Uh, That division, all of a sudden, they're third with Washington football team on their surge, so um, they're still in the playoff race. They get a bye next week. Hopefully, Hurts can get healthy and then they get him back after the bye to see if they can um you know take that seventh seed but uh it'll be interesting for that nfc east in the wild card spot there for the last two um the next game on the board was the indianapolis colts they traveled to houston to take on the texans um it was literally all Colts this game, 31 nothing, start to finish. Literally one of the first plays of the game, Tyrod Taylor threw one of the shittiest picks I've ever seen. Uh, literally stared down one guy three yards you know, on the sidelines. It was his last resort. Still ends up throwing him the ball, and it goes right to the defender. Like I mean, it was a half yard behind him. So just a horrible pass. One of the worst overall uh, performances I think we've seen from Tyrod. He typically tends to be pretty like level-headed, even-keeled, gives you a deep, solid performance all around, even though they don't win a bunch. But... 31 nothing. It was literally all Colts. They didn't have to throw a bunch. Jonathan Taylor did his usual 32 for 143 and two touchdowns. So, um, again, he's continued to add to his monster season, and the Colts' defense pretty much shut down the Texans. I mean, what else did you guys see? Yeah, it was all Colts. All um, So they just kind of ran the ball to Jonathan Taylor often, and then they would have these play actions to Michael Pittman Jr., and that was kind of the recipe for the rest of the game. The Texans had no answer whatsoever for the Colts and Tyrell Taylor goes out Davis Mills comes in still nothing um so yeah the Colts just kind of took control of the game and <clears throat> and went home with it so the Colts now anytime they play the Texans the last two matchups at least they've scored 62 points and they've allowed three points <laughs> damn right so they're just murdering them and what's funny is this is actually a bizarre stat I don't know if I'll hear a stat close to this for the rest of the day um the Colts shut out the last time the, the Colts shut out an opponent on the road for the first time since 1992, what? they have not shut out an opponent in wild, like ever. Yeah, that's wow, a, that's since 1992. Yeah, that's a long time, 20, 20 plus years. That's incredible. Yeah, in like a bad way. Yeah, I yeah. mean, good for them. They finally, they finally broke that streak, right? I just think of all those times that they had Peyton Manning. Their offense was just really good, and defense was always not very. Yeah, I mean, well. one of the, the defense were hit or miss. Yeah, sometimes they were pretty good. One of the defensive MVPs was on the Colts. Dwight Freeney, right? No. Or Robert Mathis? No, Bob Sanders. Oh, Bob Sanders. That's right. Um, Interesting stat. Yeah. So I mean, thirty-one nothing. All Colts. They cover the ten-point spread. We talked about it once. Played mistake-free football. When he does that, they typically win. Uh, Jonathan Taylor got his. It was cool to see them run two carries for Michael Pittman. You know, uh, I don't know if they're just trying to get him more involved. Uh, he seems obviously to be the number one he's receiver. He's not even there. that fast. No, he's not. Odd. It is weird. It is weird. He's not the fastest guy, but um, two carries, 33 yards, had a 25-yard run. So good for him. Again, the Texans' offense, really nothing. There was nobody viable fantasy-wise. Nobody had a decent day. Uh, Rex Burke had eight carries for 30 yards, led the backfield. Cooks had 38 yards receiving on three catches, led the receiving core. So the Texans now take on the Seahawks next week. The Colts have a bye. Um so the Colts are seven and six, heading into a bye. They're putting themselves in a pretty solid position to fight for the uh, wild card spots. There, Texans obviously out of it. 
Washington football team, we just talked about them. They are absolutely surging. They were traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders this week, and they came out victorious in a last-second field goal, 17-15 final. They cover the 2.5-point dog spread, went outright under 49.5 hits. The story of Taylor Heineke continues. They're now 6-6 six and six winners of, what is that, five in a row? I don't know how many in a row they've won, but uh, they beat the Vegas Raiders at in LA, right? Or in Las Vegas, uh, Antonio Gibson, another 23 carries, 88 yards, not the most efficient day, but at least he's getting workhorse type numbers. He did also catch five for 50 or 23 and got in the end zone. Uh, we talked about Logan Thomas earlier in the episode, 48 yards and a touchdown, but did get hurt. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, it, it was really just a battle, um, you know, ineptitude offenses, really not completely efficient, but down the wire, Taylor Heineke made more plays than Derek Carr. Yeah, um, another injury to kind of talk about in this game, I don't know if you mentioned this, but Kenyon Drake yeah. is out yeah. for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, it looks like Jacobs should be getting that, solidifying that RB1 role uh, even further. So, um, good signs there. But um, this was also, uh, going back to the game, this was the fourth winning drive by Heineke this year. So, Heineke, the Washington football team just finding ways to win. The Raiders are such a question mark team that you'll never know what you're going to get with this team in, in terms of, um, winning and, and offense is just so erratic. Yep. And, uh, you know, the football team just kind of came out and uh, were able to get the job done with Heineke, just doing Heineke things, just out, out there putting grit and, I guess, tenacity. <laughs> tenacity. tenacity. That tenacity guy threw a pick with six minutes left, but his defense really saved him. Yeah. So there's some quarterbacks that can get away with playing like, eh, and then, you know, throwing picks and stuff later in the game and then still winning because defense steps it up. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. Can't relate. Um, Josh Jacobs, 13 for 52, got a touchdown. Obviously, with Kenyon Drake getting hurt, Josh Jacobs had nine catches for 38 yards. It's nice to see as a fantasy owner for Josh Jacobs that he's clearly mm -hmm. capable of catching the ball. So why did you pay Kenyon Drake millions of dollars? Doesn't make sense still. Um, but yeah, the Raiders are exactly that. They're fake news. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're still in the uh, playoff race. But uh, we every time it seems like they can grab the playoff race by the horns, they put together a shitty performance, right? 15 mm -hmm. points by that offense. It seems inexcusable. I mean, they have too many weapons on the offensive side. Renfro was nice again, nine for 102 on 10 targets. Uh, but yeah, the Washington football team are surging. They have a big game next week against the Cowboys. Mm. I mean, shit, if they can win that, they're one game out of the division. Wow. They so, go 11 and six. Yeah. All wow. of a sudden, if they win five in a row, they can go 11 and six. That's after so funny. I was listening to a podcast like a week, like five weeks ago. And there were like, I think there were two and six. At that yeah, time, right? I, yeah, I think so. And Matthew Barry was like, "What if they go eleven and six? <laughs> and every the whole crowd started laughing. Yeah. And now this is a very could much be a reality. reality. Yeah. yeah. Funny. Wild. Yeah. I mean, they take the Cowboys, the Raiders. It doesn't get easier. They're traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs on the road in a big divisional game. There. So uh, six and six Raiders. Yes, they're still fighting for the wild card spot, but we all, I think, consensusly believe that they're fake news. Washington, on the other hand, shit, holy shit, watch out. That game against the Cowboys will be big. I personally think, I mean, they could. There's no reason they couldn't upset the Cowboys yeah. with everything we've seen from them and everything we've seen from the Cowboys. So, stick around. That'll be a great matchup next week. The Jaguars, on the other hand, did not play a good matchup. They traveled to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. 
Rams came in seven and four. Jags were two and nine. Jags are now two and ten because they only scored seven points. 37-7 final. The Rams win this one easily. Covered their 13-point spread under 48 hits. The Rams are now eight and four. Took care of business here. I mean, really not much else, you know, to say. Obviously, on paper, all the Rams guys are gonna have big games because they were playing the Jaguars. Stafford's box score looks great. Uh, Cooper Cup got his. Sony Michelle, huge game, 24-121 and a touchdown in the absence of Daryl Henderson, which again, Shashot had called on this podcast before anybody else. So um, I don't know what you guys are doing, not listening to what we have to say, but the Jaguars, um, another game, another Trevor Lawrence game that's just like, he's just been so forgettable. And I don't know if that's the Jaguars, it's because Urban Meyer, it's because, you know, everything, or if it's just the fact that Trevor Lawrence might not be what he was in college. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, he's, you know, you still have an NFL team around you, right? So yes, you can suck. Yes, you can struggle. But I mean, I don't know, like 16 of 28 for 145. Like he didn't throw six picks. Like it'd be one thing if he threw six picks and you're like, okay, so he tried to force the ball. He had 28 attempts for 145 yards total. So like, I'm just trying to understand, was he just okay with checking the ball down, knowing that the Rams were still going to score every time? Or was he too scared to take chances and make mistakes, knowing that that was the only shot they'd have to keep themselves in the game? So um, at this point, I really question your really the mindset of Trevor Lawrence, because it's like, are you just trying to make sure that your stats don't get worse as the season progresses because you know it's a lost cause. But at this point, you're down 37-7. to I expect Trevor Lawrence to have interceptions because he should be taking chances. Right. They're not going to win without that. So he's been having a lot of turnovers, right, like over the last few weeks. And then the Rams lost three straight, went into had a bye week. Rams are coming in here saying, we're not going to fucking lose to a guy named Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) So they they played lights out. The Rams played perfect defense, which they had not been doing the last couple weeks. And I think that just limited what Trevor Lawrence could do. Um, But, yeah, I'm I'm surprised he doesn't have picks, honestly. Maybe maybe the Jags' philosophy was to not let the Rams take the ball because they know if they turn the ball over the Rams, the Rams are going to get some points on the other side. So maybe they were just trying not to get the ball in the Rams' hands. I don't know, but – as well as Trevor, Trevor Lawrence played it from a turnover standpoint, you're still not going to win the game if you just play safe against the Rams. Like, like yeah. you, don't, you don't have you don't have something else that could help that <laughs> no, out. No. Like you are all they have, right? And James Robinson's injured. Carlos Hyde actually got more carries um, than James Robinson this game, so that's something to look out for if you're uh, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, James Robinson's probably on a lot of playoff teams roster mm-hmm. um so you, you're gonna have to make some changes here you know it's almost like they just don't like james robinson because <laughs> yeah, of the fact that I, and this is just like me putting something out there but speculation but you know urban meyer drafted uh etienne mm-hmm. and etienne. He, etienne and he got injured right so the better james robinson does the more it looks bad on him so maybe he's like because he he's not getting enough carries from how good he is, and yeah, even yeah. last game he fumbles the ball. They put they bench him. Yeah, that he, was so messed up. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. A guy that like pretty much never fumbles, and he makes one fumble, and you're like benching him. Right. It it really. That's make what sense. you're right. It doesn't add up. Eckler got two fumbles this game. Do you think he was benched? No, no. no Eckler doesn't get benched. No. James Robinson should not get. He's benched in the same either. category. Yeah, he doesn't dude. get the like, respect. James he deserves. Robinson does not get the respect he deserves at all, and it's clear. Like you said, they actually brought James Robinson back in the fourth quarter. To yeah. play, and he got more hurt. Yeah, right. Like at that point, what was the reason for bringing back James Robinson? They down? asked him that as well, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know." Why you know what that back. tells me? Urban Meyer literally still coaches this team like they're a college football team, right? Yeah. In college, 
your guys fighting for their livelihood, right? He fumbles the ball. You could put him in the doghouse, right? If if you have a set of running backs like Bill Belichick has in the past or like uh, the 49ers have where like you can plug and play anybody and no one's like a big superstar, mm-hmm. yeah, put them in the doghouse if they fumble. When you have one guy that's clearly better than everybody else, right. yet you're continuing to you know randomly give Carlos Hyde a journeyman snaps when he's not efficient, there's nothing that he brings to the table that James Robinson doesn't. Yeah, I'm honestly with you that like they literally clearly don't like him or Urban right. Meyer just still has this dumbass like college mentality where you're not playing your best players. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Um, another fantasy thing to kind of look at, uh, I don't know if you guys will agree with me on this one, but Van Jefferson outsnapped OBJ, also um, got more targets than OBJ. He ran more routes than OBJ. Um, from In the last two games, he's got 17 targets uh, in, in the last two weeks. So... I am in the favor that maybe Van Jefferson would be a a good like flex play. Yeah. Um, out, yeah. Like you 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 know you mentioned Russell Gage, uh, Van Jefferson over over OBJ maybe yeah. um, would be a solid play. With the way the Rams run their offense, yeah. having him being the number two receiver just based on how much he's on the field, yeah, I think volume wise it definitely warrants him playing it. And it's not just volume; he's uh, he's also actually producing. I mean, he's producing nicely, mm-hmm. especially now that uh, Woods is not there. Woods is not there, but also Deshaun Jackson's gone. Right. The, the guy that's actually caught a lot of the deep balls has been Van Jefferson, right? So I, I don't know from a speed perspective how much faster he really is in Cup or Odell Beckham or who's fastest there, but it seems like the routes that are meant to go deep right now are going to Van Jefferson. So, um, yeah, the Rams love to throw the ball. They love to throw the ball deep. So as a result, I definitely agree with you with Van Jefferson. Um, on the other end, another week and another week where Laquan Treadwell leads the Jags receiving core, four catches, 62 yards. Um, I mean, I don't if you know anything about Laquan Treadwell, that's literally all you need to know when you look at the Jaguars box score, that he is their leading receiver. I mean, that offense is in shambles. And so uh, they're 2-10. They travel to Tennessee to take on the Titans next week. doesn't get any easier for them. The Rams have that big, big divisional matchup at Arizona next week against the Cardinals. Um, every big spot for the Rams, I think they've actually been a letdown, all their big matchups. They may have won like their first big matchup. I can't remember if they beat... Uh, one big team, but it seems like every big matchup that the Rams have been, they've been the losing team. And that just always attributes to like Matthew Stafford looking like he plays for the Detroit Lions again every time he has a big, like a tough team to play. Mm-hmm. And then he fills up the stat sheet against the Jags. 295, three touchdowns, yeah. no interceptions. It's like 8 0 against uh, teams that are under 500 and yeah. 1 and 4 against yeah. teams. It, exactly. So, um, yeah. um, again, the Rams need to beat a playoff team or a good team to actually make it seem like they're a legitimate contender because yes they're eight and four it's a nice and pretty record but uh they look like a first round exit in the playoffs right now yeah, so they do um next game on the board the ravens travel to pittsburgh show it what a fucking game the steelers at home come away victorious as four and a half point underdogs 20 to 19 final squeak away by one point under 44 hits um the steelers did a fantastic job of containing lamar jackson which has historically been their mo that i feel like historically yeah. the steelers have done a really really good job of limiting him i feel like lamar jackson's in like the three or four worst game stretch of his career so far as a pro uh just looks incredibly inaccurate a lot of the interceptions he's throwing you're kind of like what are you doing uh but credit to the pittsburgh steelers defense they played well big ben made really really nice throws down the field uh Kept and protected the ball, only sacked one time with the offensive line woes that we've talked about. Uh, what did you guys see in this game? 
Yeah, I mean, you gotta give credit to T.J. Watt, man. That guy's got 16 sacks in the in the NFL this week. After not this playing week? Holy this shit. year, sorry, <laughs> this 16 sacks this year. I got this eight week. sacks on Madden in one game, one time, but yeah, 16 sacks. No, six, 16 in Gross. in the week, and that's after missing two games. Yeah. So after and and so Miles Garrett hasn't missed a game. 14 sacks. Where are you at, Miles? Where are you at? Um, but yeah, no, solid, solid game. Three sacks this game, not 16. Uh, three sacks this game so the, it, it was great to see that we weren't committing uh turnovers and um you know ben rothsberger comes back and and that lets allows them to win the game we almost lost it almost lost oh, yeah. it and if it wasn't for mark andrews dropping that um i think it was two-point conversion which was crazy that they they went for it uh in the first place but he drops it and then we win the game so um you know it's just one of those things that we needed just solid performance by all of the offense. Deontay Johnson had his numbers. Ben Roethlisberger played great. Um, everyone did well on the offense and uh, just came out with a win. And now we're looking like we could probably get into the playoffs. So it's looking good. Yeah, 72 hours from now, we will be having a different conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, the Steelers squeaked in. They, they were the benefactors of a very aggressive call. Uh, you know, we always want aggressive calls nowadays in this this day and age but this is the outcome sometimes and you just have to deal with it right like this is what happens um so yeah i mean i, I don't this game was just it went exactly how the last couple of uh raven steelers games have gone the steelers are seven and two following a loss of 20 points or more um and then it just so happens they play the ravens afterwards in a lot of those situations which is weird um but big ben has been just destroying the ravens in his career uh, in his last seven, sorry, in his last eight starts against the Ravens, he's won seven of them. So at this point, you know, with the young quarterback that the um, that the Ravens have, and he does all these dynamic things with their defense, and then you have Big Ben, just you know, big ball of just cuddle monster, um, and then you have you know the Steelers defense. So it somehow, some way, Big Ben ends up being the benefactor of this. Looks like it comes down to being a mental battle with with the Ravens and Steelers and. Mike Tomlin and Big Ben always find a way to sneak by. Yeah, yeah. Najee Harris, 21 carries, 71 yards, uh, five catches, 36 yards. Deontay Johnson had a huge game, eight for one of five, two touchdowns. Um, he's obviously clearing away their favorite target. Yeah. Uh, slower games for Claypool, for Fryermuth, uh, the other guys. But um, you're actually the second guy to say Mark Andrews dropped that. And I feel like every replay I watched, I actually don't think that was a drop. Uh, I think I, it was it was an inaccurate throw, but. Um, I don't know. I, I uh, yeah, obviously he was he was hurried, so he didn't make that. Throw yeah, T.J. Watt was literally in his face, so right. like it, it's not even his fault for making a bad throw. But uh, the way the route was run, it was almost like uh, Andrews was like running sideways, and then he was on like a sit, right? Like he he ran to the side, and then he like kind of sat, and then uh, Lamar Jackson like threw it sideways on this side of him, which would have been like his left hand and he had to reach out one handedly. So timing wise, it looked like it was off. I don't fault Lamar because TJ Watt was literally in his face, but uh, I also didn't think that was a drop, but I don't, I don't know if they counted that as a drop in the stat sheet. That's rough. Um, Yeah. That that was a tough one. I I feel like as a receiver, you got to catch that though. Like um, it's, it's in your hand. You mentioned it's the other hand, it's the left hand, but that is also the hand of preference when the ball is coming from this, you don't want to catch it like this, right? Like you want to catch it like this. And it wasn't his fingers. It was just bang, bang, TJ Watts in your face. What are you going to do? But like, if someone's got to take the fall there, it's got to be the receiver, at least from what I what I saw. But it's it's tough. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, that that's tough. Um, but Ravens take on the Browns in Cleveland next week. The Steelers are traveling to Minnesota to take on our Vikings on Thursday night um, that you guys will both be at. So uh, big, big game there for our 
internal in-house fan bases. I, I wish that the Vikings won against the Lions <laughs> because now I feel like you guys are gonna just go so like there's so much more to no, fight no, for. No, we're not. <laughs> we've had we've had those moments all season long. Oh, yeah. we're we're the definition of a team that literally when when we can't when we can't all of a sudden we will right yeah. so it's like we're five and seven we just lost to the shittiest team in the league yeah we should in theory let's just collapse and actually like build for next year but uh-huh. no we'll string across three more games and all of a sudden we'll be in week 16 of this <laughs> podcast but the vikings are back in playoff contention only to lose in the first round it's just the same fucking right. story with minnesota so yeah. uh you should be happy that we lost to the lions we probably literally are coming in there with zero morale it's not one of those where we need to bounce back it's yeah. one of those where there's nothing to bounce yeah. back from when you lose to a team that yeah, hasn't we won didn't all even year. lose against the lions yeah exactly yeah. You guys literally beat the, the Lions. Almost beat us twice, actually. Yeah, we tied. We were, we were thirty seconds away from losing the Lions twice this, <laughs> this year. In a season, they haven't won. So that um, that's all you need to know about the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> the 49ers were at Seattle this week in a very winnable game after the Seahawks had looked very, very bad. Russell Wilson did not look the same. The 49ers were cruising, um, and they come in here and they should cruise, right? That that should have been how this game went, but no, absolutely not how this game went. Seattle wins at home, thirty to twenty-three final. They cover the three and a half point dog spread. The over forty-five and a half hits. All of a sudden, the 49ers are now 6-6. Six and six. The Seahawks are 4-8. and eight. They think they're still in the playoff race, but they're really not. So I don't know why they won this one. Kudos to them, though. Russell Wilson, um, I mean, it's not like he played a great game, but uh, made more, enough plays down the road or down the stretch to, to be the difference. Uh, Travis Homer had that huge, huge touchdown. So a lot of random things going their way. Uh, I, I will credit the Seattle defense, so they did do the one thing that most teams have struggled this year to do, and that is contain the rushing attack of San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell only had 22 carries for 66 yards. That's three yards a carry. The team as a whole only averaged 2.8 yards a carry, a team that literally dominates your throat by running the, running the ball. And Seattle, who all year has been a, a, a pretty bad defense. So uh, credit to Seattle's defense for actually containing the run game. I think that allowed Kittle to have as big of a game as he did. Uh, shout out to Kittle, but... Uh, I don't think any. I personally did not come in here and expect Seattle Seahawks to win this game, so I, I'm very shocked about this outcome. Yeah, I just remember uh, mentioning on our virtual uh, recording session last week that Russell Wilson was like 17, or sorry, sorry, 16 and four against San Francisco in his career, and that, I remember saying that is the only thing favoring them. There was literally nothing favoring them ex- besides Russell Wilson, and I guess maybe he kind of got some, you know, maybe he's learned how to play football again. I don't <laughs> know, but I'm not, be- I'm not banking on this. He is my fantasy quarterback that I drafted, so I'm holding on to him. But I'm not, I don't feel comfortable by any means. This this offensive line could just collapse, and why why don't they throw to DK Metcalf? Tyler Lockett just caught his first touchdown in like 10 games or something crazy like that. Um, so, yeah, th- there's nothing about this offense that changed anything about how I view the Seahawks. It's, yeah. I'm still expecting shitty numbers from everybody across the board, uh, and I'm not banking on this in the playoffs at all. If anything, I'm just a little bit more disappointed that the 49ers didn't solidify themselves at like 7-5 and five and been like, hey, they've kind of been a freight, yeah. freight train the yeah. last couple of weeks. So just a big letdown spot for them. Yeah, I mean the Seattle has beat 49ers and this is the fourth consecutive win mm-hmm. against the 40 uh, against the 49ers and they kind of just I think that the punt uh fake punt helped them, right? They get 7 points that way Homer mm-hmm. just gets a direct snap and then 70-yard touchdown which yep. can't imagine why more teams don't do that because the only team the only person that's like stopping you is the punt returner yep. once you get past the uh uh first down line and then there was a safety too so seattle had a uh safety and so those the eight points um divisional game so i think that kind of made things a little bit close i didn't have the seahawks winning but they just found a way to get things done russell wilson efficient 30 for 37 metcalf almost had a touchdown was down at the one yard line and then 
Here comes Adrian Peterson. Shout out to AP. 11 carries on 11 carries, 16 yards. A cool <laughs> 1.5 yards per carry, but did get in the end zone. So if you started him in fantasy, he got you 7.6 points. <laughs> yeah, so no, no comment. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. just brutal. I mean, yeah, Kittle on the other side, 9 for 181, two touchdowns. I mean, he was absolutely unstoppable. Oh, yeah. uh, it's weird, though. They they knew they had to throw. They had no Debo Samuel, and it was literally all George Kittle. That's what we said last week, right? No Debo Samuel, so no. probably Kittle should get his yeah. uh, more uh, targets, and he got 12 targets, nine receptions. But I think that on, on the Seahawks side, um, Lockett should be a lock to be startable. As long as Russell When Wilson Russell Wilson started, is right. there, Tyler Lockett is a must-start. Yeah. Right. Finger right. or no finger. Because yeah. he still throws or and attempts to throw the ball to Tyler Lockett regardless of what his finger looks like. He's like the one constant. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's not DK Metcalf. No, but no it's not DK. There's got to be something we're missing here. I don't There's know. There's got to be something. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I feel like you you probably felt the same way all last year Dude, having DK Metcalf. Why the fuck does he not get the ball Because more? It, was, it was five receptions for 90 to 100 yards and a and touchdown. touchdown. It was yeah. guaranteed, yeah. right? And like it's the same the same amount of targets, same amount of receptions, but the yards are lower and there's no touchdowns. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. They're not sure what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The 49ers are now 6-6, six and six, still alive, obviously. They're at Cincinnati next week, so a uh, big matchup for two teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. The Seahawks are 4-8. and eight. I mean, I, I think they'd really have to backdoor their way, win five, five in a row, and hope for a lot of things to play out differently to – to squeak into the final playoff spot. And maybe by that time, Russell Wilson's fingers healed and you know, they're the seventh seed that no one wants to face, but that's, that's really, really just being very, very optimistic, but they're four and eight. They get another winnable game next week though. They travel to Houston to take on the Texans. That takes us into Sunday night football at Arrowhead stadium. Shout out to my buddy Turner. He was at this game. Uh, the chiefs hosted the Broncos here at Arrowhead came in at nine and a half point favorites. Over-under was 47. Final score, 22-9. Chiefs win this one. Ugly game. I mean, do cover the spread. Under hits, but uh, still not the offensive outburst that in the past we've expected from the Chiefs. Denver did a nice job on defense. Um, but the Chiefs, nonetheless, still win this. They're 8-4 and four now. Um, I don't know. What, what did you guys actually see in this game that stuck out? I mean, for me personally, Javante Williams got the bulk share of carries with Melvin Gordon being out. I've really, really liked his talent all year. He, he ran the ball nicely, was very, very efficient, um, caught the ball nicely as well. So I think he was the biggest bright spot for the Broncos. But what did you guys see? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, another thing we mentioned on the previews was how Patrick Mahomes was 7-0 and against Denver. Now he's 8-0 against Denver. There's literally nothing Denver can do to stop Patrick Mahomes. They've kind of just solidified the top spot in that division. Um, so here's a fun um, stat that I think played a huge role in this game. Uh, the Broncos are 2-23 and since uh, 2019 when trailing after three quarters. Wow. So they just can't come from behind. And we know this because of Teddy, right? Yep. Like there, there's, this, there's this type of quarterback that, that we just know that, that are not capable of coming back coming from behind and Teddy is like the CEO of that category. Yep. Right. And there's clearly reasons why they're not going to win many games. If they keep uh, relying on um, Teddy, they're they're just, they're forced to take leads and they're forced to rely on their defense. And that's just something you can't do when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes. You have to be able to keep up throwing the ball. And that's a really good reason why Patrick Mahomes is eight. No against the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I mean, shout out to the Kansas city defense. They've kind of been a question mark all throughout the year up until like the last two, three weeks, last four Um, weeks now, uh, last four weeks, including the bye week in there. They're, they're playing pretty great as far as defense goes. Stepping up, not allowing, not allowing the Broncos to get into the end zone when it really matters. Cause they did score Javante Williams. 
fourth score. quarter. Yeah, right? in the fourth quarter. But up until then, I mean, it was already um, yeah, like two touchdown games. So throughout the whole game, not allowing them to score, not getting them, letting them have a rhythm in the offense, and kind of just made this a lot more difficult for the Broncos to even have a chance to win this game. So, yeah, Kansas City finding ways to win, even though their offense is not what we're used to what, seeing. What's crazy is they did it again. They they gave up the ball in near the 20-yard line again. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill dropped a catch right. slant, right? That was going to set them up for another touchdown, and that's why they lost all four all four of those games was because of offensive turnovers. I've mentioned it like 100, 300 times on this podcast that they never had a problem moving the ball. They have literally never had a problem moving the ball besides like one game when Mahomes threw for like 100 and something yards. Outside of that one game, they have not had any issues moving the ball on any team. And it's always just Tyreek Hill. I'm pretty sure Tyreek Hill is responsible for like six of those picks, just yeah. single-handedly, you know? And that happened again. They were up 10-3 to three in early in the game. They could have been up 17-3, to three, taking a, you know, it's so much easier to play defense when you're up 17-3 to three versus 10-3. to three, mm-hmm. And Tyreek Hill just screwed that over again. So they're kind of doing it again, and they, they can't continue to do this because, yes, you have the Denver Broncos number, and it's easy for you to overcome little problems like this. But if what if this was against, you know, the, the Buccaneers or what if this was against the Bills like then you're screwed so you got you really got to stop messing around the Chiefs if you really want to be a contender you got to start removing these turnovers from your skill set yeah Hill's got six drops this year mm-hmm. and then Kelsey's at five yeah which is like the highest is seven so I mean he's pretty up there as far as drops go yeah yeah I mean Mahomes 15 to 29 184 one interception no touchdowns I don't remember the last time I've seen Mahomes with no touchdown passes he did run one in um, but Patrick hasn't thrown a touchdown in like three of his last five games. I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah. Like, at Since least, the Raiders game, at least three of his last six games. I'm pretty sure he had zero touchdowns in like two other games in this. They're just, they, it's just a whole different offense. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know how to figure out this no touchdown business. From yeah. I, I, it's just, it, yeah, he, he's had no touchdowns the last two games. He had no touchdowns like six weeks ago as well. One time, but, um, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Denver's defense is good. Patrick Sertan, the second had the interception and we know he's the real deal. So uh, shout out to him, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, if they can move the ball so well, I just don't understand why they're not capitalizing when they have so many weapons in the red zone. You have Kelsey, you have Hill, you have, you know, you, you can use Mahomes' legs even in the red zone. I mean, he's a very underrated runner. So, um, yeah, I mean, they still find a way to get the job done. The biggest fear with the Chiefs is when they are clicking on all cylinders, how scary can they look? Because we've seen that the last couple of seasons. Yeah, but this season we've seen no, it like yeah. once. This season, it's it's been very seldom. So is this the team that we're going to see into the playoffs? Or at any point, is that... Yeah. You know, that script going to flip or that switch going to flip because sitting at eight and four with, you know, one of the weirdest offensive seasons we've seen from the Chiefs since this current construct of a team has been put together. Uh, that's really scary because the minute that they re- can revert back to that, if it happens, um, I mean, holy shit, watch out. So yeah, remember what we said last time, like the Chiefs are eight and four. Yep. And we're like, this is the worst they've ever played. And then we look at the Rams and we're like, we look at the Packers and we're like, this is like the best they've ever played. And <laughs> no. they have the same record. Yeah. Rams are eight and four. And right. It's like the best they've looked. So you're right. Anytime, if they can just remove these turnovers, that's really all it is. It's just these crucial turnovers. And they're not turnovers in the middle of the field. They're turnovers in red zones. They're turnover inside the 30-yard line, which are field goal points, which are t- touchdown points. So, yeah, if they don't do that, they're probably – like if there's one team I did not, I do not want to play ever, it's the Chiefs yep. when they're the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, I never want to play Patrick Mahomes. 
always giving you a chance to win. I mean, they play the Raiders next week. They're fake news. Um, but the Raiders have actually beat Mahomes and the Chiefs mm-hmm. before since Mahomes has been a Chief. So um, that should still be an exciting game. The Broncos get to take on the Lions, who will have a ton of momentum after their win streak is currently at one game. Uh, the Monday night game was a doozy. I mean, that weather was crazy in Buffalo. The Patriots traveled to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Patriots came in at 8-4. and four. Buffalo was 7-4. and four. So this was a battle for first place in their division. And... Mac, if I told you before the game that Mac Jones would have three three pass attempts for 19 yards, not be injured, not get benched, play the whole game, and the Patriots would win that game, would you guys call me crazy? Yeah, I would bet you my whole house that like, that could not happen. All my assets that that wouldn't happen, but including your ass, all your ass and your assets. Yeah. Exactly, because that, that's the you, most. You that's would, the biggest asset. That's be, the biggest asset. You would be homeless and assless. Right now. <laughs> I know. Oh, my Glad God. Glad I didn't take that bet. But they did. The Patriots <laughs> threw the ball three times for 19 yards. Mac Daddy Jones, who's having the best rookie quarterback season of any quarterback in this class. The Patriots still win the game 14-10 to 10 final in Buffalo. It was windy. It was snowy. They ran the ball 46 times. And the Buffalo Bills could not stop them. I mean, the Buffalo Bills could not score on offense against this defense, and they could not stop yeah, the, the Bills. Suck. I mean, okay. So to be fair, it's not that the Bills could not stop them. Buff the the, the Patriots had their one touchdown on a sixty-four yard run by uh, Damian Harris. Harris right. Yeah. Um, every other like the rest of the game, I think they did pretty well. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson only averaged three point three yards a carry. Right. But it seemed like down the stretch when they needed to get stops to get the ball back, they couldn't do it. They were getting timely first downs. And then again, Josh Allen. Fifteen to thirty? You're supposed to be a possible MVP caliber quarterback. You're like the next big thing and you're completing 50% of your passes. I don't care that it was a super windy, right? Like I know that that's gonna play a factor. Yeah. But Mac Jones was 66% completions. Why were you only 50? Um, so I remember mentioning last week um, that the Bills are alternating and scoring points. They score 30 points and they score less than 16. They score more than 30. Then they score more than six, 30, uh, less than 16. That that uh, pattern continued this game again. So there's there is a clear pattern here. Either they get really hyped up after they win and they don't prepare enough, or they lose – and then they prepare so much that they score over 30. So that's that's the trend here. If who do you mind jumping a little bit earlier and seeing who they play next week? Yeah, who the Bills? Yeah. They're at the Bucks. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, big, wow. Game. Big, game. Right. big game. Big game. Big game. That's a prove it game for both teams. Yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, more of the Bills. Yeah, no. Um, so the winds were up to fifty to fifty five miles per hour. They're yeah. closer than the thirty side, but yeah. I mean at one point at maybe, one point. but consistently definitely yeah. yeah. Those are so we those are called the wind gusts. Like yeah. those are those are just a random yeah. gusts. So thirty. Third that's a yeah. that's, that's very a windy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so when loud. I was in was when I was in fifth grade, this kid came up to me and he was like, you know <laughs> Core if, memory. Yeah. If a if a running if a team just runs three yards Every play, yeah, you score a touchdown. Then you score a touchdown. They win. You can win. Yeah. You know, you get because you get twelve yards and four downs. Yeah. And I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. That's dumb. And now Bill Belichick <laughs> is, is, does that exact same thing. He's, and I think it was, it was, it was genius, really. Like the winds are that you know, heavy. You know who that kid grew up to be? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. That kid grew up to be Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh my God. His ethnicity wasn't the same as uh, Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, Michael Jackson. I mean, you yeah. switch it up. So. Uh, who, who's the offensive coordinator? It's probably that guy. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but you know, it's just uh, just smart play, s- smart on on the offense side, and then that last play where Josh Allen has a chance to score a touchdown, and it's a slot a post route. 
and uh, the cornerback goes away from who he's covering to come back and swat the ball. Like, these are the coaching things and, like, Bill Belichick stuff that they do and that they teach their players that shows on the field and allows them to win games. So, solid Bill Belichick performance. The Buffalo Bills should change their name to Buffalo Bill Belichick's. Damn. Damn. The Buffalo Bills, as in Bills Belichick's. Yes. Um, Shout out to the Patriots. We talked about the Cardinals who are 7-0 on the road. Patriots are now 6-0 on the road. Wow. Patriots Cardinals setting up for a Super Bowl here. I just want the Patriots to just collapse. (laughs) I just... I'm it's scary to man. know that they could have another decade or two decades of dominance, as and long Tom as, Brady's literally as long as Bill Belichick doesn't have a heart attack, they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be up there every single day, every single year. I don't know about you guys, but I just I want to see the Patriots and Bucks. Yeah, I, I think that'd be insane. That'd be a, that'd be an insane Super Bowl to get to watch. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm okay with the Patriots being good, and you know, Bucks be good too, and then and then Patriots win the Super Bowl and beat Tom Tom Patriots, Brady. Do you hear yourself? Yeah. As a fan after, of, after, another, yeah. of a different team, how could you possibly want another Patriots Super Bowl? Right. You know, I just want that story. You like, like the I just story. want your story guy. I, I, you're, I'm you're okay s- with story before Pittsburgh Steelers. No, look, okay, obviously you want the Steelers to yeah. win the Super your Bowl. Your pulse isn't over. All I'm saying is the, the pulse is still there. The pulse is still there. 100%. You got to do CPR until they come back to life. <laughs> No. Who has a bigger pul- who has a more likely pulse for a possible Super Bowl right now, the Steelers or the Vikings? Oh, the Steelers. I think it's it, Oh man. It's the Steelers. I, I think because of the win-loss record in the NFC and how everything's like 5 and 6 people, it might be the Vikings because you guys have to fucking go through a lot harder We have to we have yeah. to win out our division to potentially But, but just predicting but wins yeah. for the rest of the season, fucking Steelers. Yeah, and yeah. predicting personnel and knowing that we have Mike Zimmer and you have Mike Tomlin, give yeah. me Mike Tomlin and his right. experience yeah. all day long. It's crazy. We used to have Mike Tomlin. It's like watching your ex just yeah. grow up and yeah. have raise a family and yeah. her children are already, and they're are successful. Your ex is a doctor, uh, your ex has got her PhD. And then you have like ALS and you're <laughs> and you're forced to sit on the chair and watch Mike uh, for the rest of your life. Oh my God, that's morbid as hell. Yeah, but it's so true. It's that's very exactly true. how I feel. Oh, it's very it's true. Exactly how I feel. It's really great on my end. I mean, yeah. Mike Tomlin has just been one of the. the You've got to witness what two Super Bowls. Yep, in your two. Lifetime? Yeah, with, yeah. One with Bill Cowher, one with Mike Tomlin. I mean, I'm just gonna name my next kid Bill. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's something. There, we're onto something here. But yeah, the Patriots take care of business. 14-10. They're now nine and four, leading that division. The Bills drop to seven and five. All of a sudden, they have five losses. They're three and three at home. Bills Mafia, where are you at? Home teams. Buffalo Bills are supposed to be like that home team that you don't want to travel to. I think they got scared of the wind. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is on, on in the box score, the Patriots got scared of the wind. That's why they ran so much. But they don't care to admit that they were scared of the wind. They're like, you know what? We're manly enough to admit that the wind is a factor, so we're just going to run it. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, we got Josh Allen. We're still going to throw the ball yeah. 30 times, and he's only going to complete it 15 times. And the one – this this – uh, the 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 situation of the wind and the and and all of the weather favored the Patriots because the Buffalo Bills don't run the ball. They hate running the ball. Mm-hmm. They would do anything besides run the ball, right? So even when they tried to run the ball, they suck. And and they you know that they're a pass first team. So yeah. And also, I think Jonathan Taylor has opened up a whole world of blueprint to beat the Bills. Yeah. They can't stop the run. Yep. Like if you look at the last few games since the Jonathan Taylor day, the people are just running all over the Bills. And it, there was an interview after the game. Micah Hyde and uh, some other dude got uh, Poyer. Jordan Poyer. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They interviewed him, and the interviewer, I had to like rewind it 30 times because I couldn't hear the inter- interviewer. But what he asked was, like, you guys got embarrassed. Stop. Yeah. You guys can't. You guys can oh, stop yeah. the run. Yeah. You guys got embarrassed. What do you have to say about that? Yeah. And they got offended. They, they got did. so butthurt. I'm like, are you seriously butthurt right now? You got exposed. Yeah. You got ran all over, and you're saying that's not a valid question? They, he that's literally, a- yeah. 
they had asked, it was like the first time since a long time ago yeah. that that happened. And, and then I think he also said something about like knowing that the team was going to run and you still weren't yeah. able to do that. Are you embarrassed by that? Yes. And Jordan Poyer was like, what kind of question is that? I'm like, that's a very valid. Yeah. And, and he, and he, and, yeah. the, and the reporter fired back. He's like, it's a legitimate question. Like right. national spotlights are going to be talking about this. This is going to be on the news. Like, what do you guys have to say for yourself? Yeah. Um, and then Micah Hyde just started, he's like outside of the one run. Like we did really good. Yeah. Like at that point, dude, it just yeah. becomes excuses. Yeah. That was excuses. It was not just one run. Yeah. It was own up to it. Own up to own up to the fact that you knew they were going to run the ball. They ran the ball 46 times and you still let them average almost five yards a carry. Yeah, and one last thing before about that run, the 64-yard run by Damian Harris. Yeah, in the first quarter was the longest rush uh, rushing touchdown by a New England player since 1997. So as much as the Patriots like to run, they don't really get yeah. very far no. running the ball. They just like pound and grind. They've and never pound. had like the home run guys yeah. either. Like it was Laguerre Curtis Martin Blunt that did that shit, in like 1997. Yeah. yeah, and since then they've had yeah, like nothing. Corey Dillon, Rex like Garrett Blunt, like a bunch of you know guys that. Never are going to bust big runs, but nonetheless, Damian Harris, welcome to the show. Uh, he did get hurt, so yeah. Um, but it's nice they have a luxury of two guys yeah. that I would never. Bolden and yeah. Ramondre. I would literally feel comfortable throwing yeah, totally. any of those guys out there. Totally, the it's like the Madison thing. Like yeah, Cook's gone, but like, yep. uh, dude, a little part of me dies every time I even mention the Vikings. Just, <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. I, I'm like, if you guys watch Harry Potter, they talk about how like a. Voldemort splits his soul into yeah. like eight pieces shout and you have to kill Voldemort. Vold- oh, Lord wow. Voldemort. There you go. Well, holy shit. Um, splits his soul into seven or eight pieces, right? And that's literally how it feels being a Vikings fan uh-huh. is I don't, I feel like all, all, how many ever times my soul has been split into how many ever pieces each time I see that it's just a part of it gets stabbed and dies. Damn. Yeah. Let's and and at some point enough horcruxes are going to get destroyed that my body, I'm going to watch a Vikings <laughs> game and my body is just going to wither away because that's it. That was the final one that needed to die. Wow. Wow. I, I hope, hope we get a Super Bowl before yeah, that that's yeah. I, I hope I it's mean, like, you know, you're like 99 years old and you're in death, but oh, oh, where's the Super Bowl? It's like February yeah, 12th. Honestly, like, I, I mentioned this while we were in New York last week, but like, I wouldn't change anything. I really wouldn't. No. Like, I am who I am because of these Vikings. Yeah. Like Because of our yeah. ability to handle this emotional yeah. instability right. from right. our favorite right. football team, it's turned us into yeah. stronger human beings. Right. So, like... I can't say a lot of stuff I want to say because <laughs> I don't know who's listening. But yeah, it, emotional intelligence has just yep. because of the Vikings. Like you, like this is the most important thing in my life, right? Yep. Like family, friends, food, football, right? It's right there. When when you're, one of your favorite things in life just hurts you, every four months, one week, one day out of the week, sometimes two days out of the week when you play on Thursday, but when they torture you to cer- such an extent, mm-hmm. like you are – unstoppable right yeah you are unstoppable you've built this like just cocoon yeah. of uh no one can pain harm. yeah, yeah. Pain. <laughs> you, you instead of other people inflicting pain on you you take that plane that pain and you build a house around yeah. it wow. using the pain that's yeah. amazing you think like all this ancillary bs like yeah you think me being in debt you think me not being able to afford that you think like my wife leaving me is sad no i've been pretty much been tolerating the Minnesota Vikings for 30 years. Yeah. There's nothing I feel that like emotionally can get we through. need a documentary of right? like all Minnesota Vikings yeah. people and just like just, just like, I feel like people have been thinking like you just talked about the good morning football people yeah. like saying sorry to Vikings fans. Yeah. I feel like people that are around Vikings fans or don't follow the Vikings closely think we're like very we're doing this on purpose or like we're um 
exaggerating how shitty we have it but i hope you in the first season we've done this being around us so vividly can experience secondhand firsthand however you want to call it that this is a real thing man yeah yeah, this one's probably top five worst. Oh, this, this season's yeah. probably top five worst. Yeah, this is because of the potential, and then all losses are by one score. Yep. This is definitely top five. We've worst. literally been winning by seven plus points in every game, yet we have seven losses and only five wins. The story goes on and on. We totally deviated from that. The Patriots take care of business. <laughs> they are heading into a bye. The Bills have the Bucks next week. That's the recap. I know we could talk about Vikings Lions for hours and hours, and I'm sure next week's episode when the after the conclusion of the Viking Steelers game, that segment's going to be long as shit. So can't wait for that. Let's jump into studs and duds. I will kick us off this week. My stud, the one silver lining to the Minnesota Vikings is Justin Jefferson, 30.1 fantasy points as a receiver, 11 catches, 182 yards and a touchdown. The dude just cannot be stopped. No Adam Thielen. So are they going to double team him, triple team him? Doesn't matter. He is going to get his. He is my stud. My dud is another receiver who I have a lot of promise and faith in Uh, as a young receiver. Rashad Bateman saw 42% of snaps. Only one target, zero catches, zero fantasy points. Um, You were losing the game. You know, it wasn't like the game was blown out. It wasn't like there was no reason for the ball to not go to you. But uh, the Ravens just did not give the ball to Rashad Bateman, and they lost the game. So, therefore, Rashad Bateman, you are my dud. Shisho, what do you got? Uh, Yeah, real quick on the Bateman thing. He's actually on a downward trend as far as, like, the last three or four weeks goes. It's just getting less and less points. He's getting less and less targets. It might be a conversation – to whether even roster him at this point. Yeah, if, I agree. If you can, if you can get your handcuffs for your players who are about to be in the playoffs, I might just pick up Khalil Herbert and drop Bateman. Yeah. You know? If you know you're never going to start Rashad Bateman at this point because you're in the playoffs or you're heading into the playoffs, yeah, it, the chances of losing your top star running back and having his backup is more valuable than right. seven to eleven points from Rashad Bateman. Exactly. I mean, Bateman is the guy that like is is fourth on the list of snaps, routes run, and targets. Right. He's. Um, Marcus Brown, Marcus Brown is above him. Duvernay was even above him last week, and Sammy Watkins. So he's just not seeing. Sammy the- Watkins sucks. Sammy <laughs> Watkins sucks. Duvernay sucks. I I still fully believe that long term Bateman yeah. Yeah. Bateman is going to be the guy, but. Um, I want to revert back to the thing that we, has, we, we've been utilizing for why guys are playing in this way. And maybe he just doesn't, doesn't know the hasn't playbook. learned the playbook completely yet. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, Possibly. But yeah, I mean, there's no question that he's going to be a He's superstar. the most talented receiver on that receiving core, in my opinion. Hollywood Brown has a ton of upside, but the dude can't stop dropping passes. Right. And you also didn't mention Mark Andrews even, right? So yeah. that's oh, another right. guy yeah. that's taking targets away. So um, yeah, nonetheless, he's my dud. I know okay. to, to no fault of his own maybe, but zero points, goose yeah. eggs. Yeah, Tough. Uh, that's Dudley worthy. Um, okay, my stud will be T. Higgins. Uh, nine catches for 14 targets um, and a touchdown. He's got over 20 points in back-to-back games. I think teams are figuring out how to stop Chase, and that's just stopping over-the-top throws. If you look at all of Chase's highlights, they're all over-the-top throws that turned into touchdowns. So they teams have stopped that, and that's clearly translated into Chase uh, getting like single-digit points or no touchdowns. And where do you go from there? You go back to your what created this offense in the first place, and that was T. Higgins, right? Uh, T. Higgins can do everything Chase can do. T. Higgins can do everything Boyd can do. T. Higgins should be the number one option, and I'm glad they're seeing this. And he displayed his talent last game, and I think doing all of that, using all these numbers, T. Higgins is the stud for the week. Um, Dud, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, if if I could pick two duds, I would pick Tyreek Hill and his counterpart on that offense. Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Uh, They both ended up with like 3.2 to 4 points. Um, Just not acceptable Mm -hmm. Uh, from a fantasy owner perspective that 
uh, drafted both of them extremely high because of the sheer amount of volume. There was no volume. They spread the ball completely. They ran the ball a lot. They utilized their defense to score points. Congratulations to the Chiefs, but Tyreek Hill gets the dud of the day for me because of the really, really ruining the expectations. Yeah, I mean, you drop a pass and you, which causes an interception. So very, yeah. very dudley. That should there. always be a dudley, no matter yeah. how many points you put up. Especially yeah. when you're doing it as consistently as Tyreek Hill seems to be doing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my stud is going to be Javante Williams. Um, so had a very solid day, 26.8 points and half point PPR, 102 yards. He also did it in the receiving um, in receptions as well. Six receptions on nine targets, 76 yards, one touchdown. Looking a lot better than Melvin Gordon. And um, so and he they play the Lions next week. So, so even if Melvin Gordon's back, you almost could arguably start both guys yeah i mean that's what we've been doing all year right yeah. we've never like been like oh this guy shouldn't start this guy should start we've mm-hmm. just been unloading both of them um and javante williams leads the league in a really fun stat breaking tackles it's it's not just breaking tackles it's breaking um it's forced to break broken tackles okay so it's not just that the defender's slipping off right he's, he's causing them to fall off and he's got a 33 percent rate down. which is Jeez. higher than Anybody else in the league right now? You say 36.8? 33%. So one out of every three runs. That he forces forces people to get get off of him. Yeah, get off of him. So that that broken uh, broken tackle, what did I even say? Forced broken tackle. Forced broken tackle, along with the yards uh, after contact. Mm -hmm. Just do the math. Those two things, if you're at the peak in your position, doing both those things, that's like almost 8 to 10 yards of carry. So, um, yeah. That's a solid, solid number. Super stud. Um, Who is not a super stud? Uh, used to be super stud, now a dud, is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, 13 carries, 45 yards, no touchdowns, and uh, recorded 5.7 PPR points, uh, half-point PPR points. So another guy, Tony Pollard, looks like he's kind of solidifying um, chances to have the number one running back role, and Zeke is just kind of going on a downtrend. Uh, Maybe injuries, maybe he's lost a step, but just not producing like we're used to seeing from Zeke in the last year or two. There's definitely injuries. There's definitely a knee injury that he's like fighting through, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to lose the job, so he's like playing through it, Mm -hmm. but it's it's clear. It's clear-cut. Tony Pollard is probably better than like 30 other teams running backs right now at this point. Yeah. If you just like give him 30 carries versus giving Zeke 20 carries and giving Tony Pollard 10 carries. Like, I don't know why the uh, Cowboys are doing that. It's probably an emotional attachment to Zeke and they're going to have to get over that because Pollard is the key to scoring more points. It's not Zeke. Yeah, I, I agree. I, even if they just start splitting straight down or slowly building Pollard back up, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that transition needs to show um, when it's evident on film that Pollard is explosive, Pollard is dynamic, and Zeke clearly looks like he's lost a step. And uh, whether it's injuries or just naturally losing a step because the shelf life of running backs is very low in the NFL. Um, those are our studs and duds. Let's end the episode to show, or I'm sorry, shove it. Give us the waiver pickups for the week heading into the last week in most fantasy football matchups heading into playoffs. So uh, big yeah. waiver week. Yeah, big waiver week. Um, week 14 is coming up. Last week, man, that's exciting. Can't believe we're already already here. No. Um, so uh, for receivers, I've got Van Jefferson. Uh, we talked about how OBJ came in, but um, since Woods has been gone, Van Jefferson is getting the targets, getting the route runs. Um, so it could be a solid flex play for you here. Um, next up, we've got uh, Russell Gage. Uh, the Outside of Patterson, Cordell Patterson and Pitts, Russell Gage seems to be getting the most targets as far as receiving goes. 
you know, uh, that's that's a good start for a receiver. And then last but not least, we've got uh, on the receiving side, we've got uh, KJ Osborne, given that AJ Thielen is out. Adam Thielen. Adam, sorry, AJ <laughs> Thielen. Why, did I see AJ? You said KJ and then you probably yeah. see, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Uh, Adam Thielen out due to high ankle sprain. So KJ Osborne uh, should be a solid wide receiver two on the Minnesota Vikings. And the Steelers uh, allowed the 10th most uh, uh fantasy points to receivers this year so could be a good play for you there um next we're gonna do uh tight ends uh, so the tight end that we have here uh i just have one ricky seals uh ricky seals jones logan thomas got hurt it's not an acl pcl but looks like he may not play next week so ricky seals jones is gonna be a good pickup um next we're gonna go on to running backs uh first one i've got on board is kenneth gainwell uh, with Miles Sanders hurt and Boston Scott, not sure where he's at either. I think there's a higher chance uh, Jordan Howard becomes okay. the lead back again okay. after Miles Sanders getting hurt. Kenneth Gainwell, I feel like is in PPR leagues could benefit mm-hmm. in like garbage time, mm-hmm. but he's he's definitely the same role as the guy for Derrick Henry, the backup Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, yep. like they're these role guys. They're not. They're never gonna get 20 carries. Mm-hmm. It's just not gonna happen with Kenneth Gainwell. But in a PPR league, if they're especially playing against a tough matchup. You saw what he can do at yeah. the end of that game. So yeah, that's and a good point. Well, Jordan Howard, when when he did come in, looked pretty good right. when uh, both Sanders and Scott were out, or Sanders and Gainwell were out. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, Jordan Howard as well, uh, outside of Kenneth Gainwell. Um, another guy is a uh, Sony Michelle. So with Daryl Henderson Jr.'s uh, injury, uh, Sony Michelle, as we talked about last week, Shishov mentioned him, uh, is going to be the guy that you want to go out and at pick least up. for this week. It's yeah. worth it. It's agreed. Uh, seeing how many points he produced. And you're playing for the Rams. It's mm-hmm. just it's totally worth using that waiver for this one week if you're already in the playoffs. Yep, solid, solid. Um, and then uh, we have uh, Chase Edmonds, who may not be el- eligible, may not be available, but he is eligible to come back in IR. If someone dropped him in your league, um, he go out and grab him, um, and uh, he should start producing like he did if he's if he's starting. Um, next up, Rashard Penny versus the Seahawks. Out of Alex Collins and all the other everybody's backs. hurt. Okay, everybody, okay. all those little weird names: DJ Dallas, uh, Homer's. Everybody is has some sort of injury designation. Yep. The only one that doesn't is Penny, which is funny because Penny is one the, is the one of the most injured running backs in the NFL. So he's the only one that's actually healthy right now. So uh, we'll see yeah. what he can do with that. Yeah, take it for what much. it is. It's the Seahawks yeah. running back situation. But Rashard Penny should if he if everyone else is hurt, RB one. And uh, do what you want with that. Uh, last but not least, um, as far as running backs go, we have Ramondre Stevenson. If Damian Harris is out, this guy is going to produce number one running back. They love to run the ball. Um, so go out and grab him and, uh, and monitor uh, Damian Harris's injury. Uh, and the last guy, quarterback position, is Taysom Hill. Uh, although he may not be able to do it with his hands, uh, he will do it with his legs. Yeah, you'll get like a solid 16 points yeah. you know, just from a touchdown and 100 yards. Yeah. So and then maybe some throws here and there. And then there. like two hundred yards and two picks. Yeah. You're looking at like twenty three fantasy points right there. I'll yeah. take it. Right? Yeah. Very solid. solid. The the fact that he can do it with his legs, the fact that he's got he likes to keep the ball in the red zone with yeah. these read options. Again, mm-hmm. his 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 floor and ceiling are very, very fantasy caliber. Yeah. So uh, definitely like that. Um, that wraps it up, guys. That is episode number 26, week 13 preview or review. Uh, we have week 14 on deck here literally in two days. It's the game that you guys are going to be at, the Thursday Night Football Vikings-Steelers. Uh, so we do anticipate putting out a preview episode 
hopefully in the next couple of days as well. Um, stick around for that. Again, thank you guys so much for sticking into this episode of The Only Playbook. Again, I'm Shashot, or I'm Sweetheart, I guess Shashot and Shovit. Uh, we will see you guys on Thursday. Thursday. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Yeah.